Welcome sports fans to the hottest sports podcast in the game, JT and the Don, with your hosts, Jimmy Thompson and Donato Bucci. They're covering the most current issues in sports from the 305 to the 412 and all the way to the West Coast. You can follow them on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at JT and the Don or email them at JT and the Don at gmail.com. Now take it away, guys. Welcome to the next episode of JT and the Don. I am the Don, Donato Bucci. And remember to subscribe to us on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever else you find all of your other favorite podcasts. And remember to leave us a five-star review. Thank you to the great introduction from Nicole Thompson and the wonderful intro music from our guy, Mike Regina. We have two special guests with us today, but first, let me welcome in everyone's favorite, JT, Jimmy Thompson. How you feeling today? Who day? Who day? <laughs> but look, man, I'm, I got plenty of time to get all on you and, you know, embarrass you today and, you know, take digs, make actually like these guys. <laughs> They're amazing at what they do. So I, I'm going to say, look, man, you know, you're salty, you know, you're petty and it'll come out throughout the course of the show. But yeah, we can get to our guests and let's introduce them because they're the real reason I even came on this today because I don't want it, I don't want anything to deal with you this week. So listen, I, I always I always admitted I, I am salty. You do, but it doesn't make it any better. It doesn't make it any do you like, to deal with. Do you like, like the losing sports? No one I does. don't, but damn, it happens. Like you turn you go from I'm not gonna say your age, but whatever that age is, past 30, you go to like five years old really quick in a loss. That's because so. I gotta deal with you. You're late to the show, you wear the ugliest hats. I got to deal with you. So, hey, look, y'all, y'all win. I'll, I'll, and send me one. I told you, send me an ugly can, ass Steelers hat and I'll wear it. Can we welcome in our yes, wonderful guest? Yes, we can. Go guests. ahead. Absolutely. Right. Thank you. Thank you. So, let's welcome in. We're lucky enough to have been on their podcast, their, their video podcast. And now we're honored to have them on as our guest. It's German Burt from the Stuff About Sports Weekly video podcast. Fellas, how you guys doing today? Doing good. Thanks for having us. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, for sure, man. This is awesome. And thank you for coming on. We're excited. It should be it should be a great time. Hopefully, you guys are on my side. We we gang up on on JT. But um, before we get started, before we start breaking everything you down, you got your big brothers, huh? <laughs> that's right. I was gonna be. <laughs> my, my chest is puffed out a little bit more than usual now. Back up, I can't see. <laughs> nah, nah, we'll we'll see, man. Because Donato left me on red with my NBA trade, man. He said he was thinking about it, and then he like just never, he never got went ahead and, and pushed it through or said, Ooh. nah, we ain't got no deal. So I don't know if I like that, man. Oh, oh, trust me, that's what he does. So you'll you'll have to get used to that. He will. I told you everything you don't win unless he wins that's germ I, I i'm actually you... glad we didn't do it because the player i was going to give him is, is starting to heat up so it's 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 i'm glad i didn't do it now germ i didn't know that's the way you felt because if i knew that i may have questioned whether to bring you on on this episode <laughs> now nah, just kidding but before we start uh germ and, and bert um please let our listeners know how they can find you guys and and you know everything about you guys germ take it away yeah so we are stuff about sports we are presented by the give us a shot network and you can find our podcast anywhere that you normally get your podcast uh just hashtag stuff about sports in the search bar will pop up either as stuff about sports or under the give us a shot network umbrella uh you can find us on facebook um instagram at stuff about sports and then youtube 
uh, uh, youtube.com slash give us a shot network. We're all over that thing. Uh, so check us out. And of course, our main website is uh, give us a shot dot network. Check them out. It is some good stuff. And their their shows are awesome. So appreciate it, man. That's awesome. Appreciate you. All right. So, JT, are you ready for this? We yeah, ready? You already know. Let's go. All right. So the championship games this past weekend did not disappoint. The Chiefs blew a 21-3 lead to lose to the Bengals in overtime, and the Rams rallied from a 10-point deficit in the fourth quarter to finally beat the 49ers. So, Germ, you're up first on deck, leadoff guy. What went wrong for the Chiefs? And essentially, do you think it was more the Chiefs imploding or the Bengals snatching that victory? I... I want to give my flowers to the to the Bengals because at the end of the day, you have to go out and make plays. But I w- if I had to attribute this this game to which I would probably lean more towards the Chiefs because they completely fell apart in the second half. And the only <clears throat> reason I could kind of uh, explain is that they started feeling themselves. Patrick Mahomes forgot basic principle football, Andy Reid didn't pull the reins back it was like a complete failure run the clock out run the ball you guys were killing him at the beginning in the first half Patrick Mahomes completely forgot his checkdowns. he wanted to make these miraculous plays and you know once the momentum swings it's it's easy to get momentum it, you know uh or it's, it's hard to keep it though you know what I mean so once you lose it it's like oh my god now you're scrambling trying to get it back and it's really really hard to get it back uh once you once you lose it so I think that's what happened with the Chiefs. I think they were feeling themselves. They were getting ready to go to the Super Bowl at halftime, and uh, the Bengals caught them slipping a little bit. Bert, what are your thoughts? <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, you, you don't kind, kind of come out from halftime and get too cocky and don't even show up and piss the drop. So, I mean, in my own personal opinion, I think that their, their offense just completely fell apart. I mean, look, take nothing away from the Bengals' defense because they had an outstanding half in keeping them at 21 and then letting Joe Burrow do his thing. But, I mean, if you're going to point to one thing, it's got to see it's got to be the absolute meltdown that Kansas City had. You're not putting points on the board, and you're sure shit ain't stopping the opponent. So, I mean, all in all, it was completely a blow up on their end. Um, but again, I mean, props to the Bengals because you let Joe Burrow come in and do his thing, and uh, and that's why they're going to the Super Bowl. I have a feeling JT is going to feel different than from you two guys, but but JT, what do you, what do you got on this one? Hey, look, man, you don't have to hedge my bets for me. I can speak for myself. <laughs> they, they both made really good points. Um, your first question: What went wrong with the Chiefs? Two things: One, Andy Reid does this all the time, and me and you argue about it, and we hate it. They get too cute at the most ridiculous times into the first half you're on the one yard line like why are you throwing the ball like QB sneak it run it like you have to be able to do this if you want to win a Super Bowl they did it didn't score any points and then that gave Cincinnati all the momentum and then now as far as do I give more credit to the Bengals for winning and snatching defeat or the Chiefs as much as I want to bash Andy Reid and you know Patrick Mahomes like like Jeremy said doing too much Let's not let's not forget, like the Bengals just played the Chiefs before the playoffs. And what happened in that game? Like this was a bad matchup. You're always saying styles makes fights, right? Like <laughs> these the Bengals are just happened to be one of those teams that can give it to them. And they did it again. And they let the, they let the bully back in the door and it bit them in the ass. And they have no one to blame but themselves. So I definitely think that that play that that play calling at the end of the first half. I, I called, I was like, it's over. They're going to come back and win this game. And then 
you can't allow a guy like Joe Burrow and a team as hot as the Bengals to stick around in a playoff game like that because it's probably going to end up, you know, a, something bad happening for you. Yeah. You know, what's funny what, that's funny about the game, it's, it, it all comes down to matchups. You know, NFL is a big matchup game. So even if the team seems on paper more talented, you know, the matchups play a big deal in that game in week 17. The Chiefs had three separate 14 point leads and blew it because the Bengals offense matches up or actually I would say the Chiefs defense matches up poorly with that Bengals offense with all those three of those receivers. Uh, they lost their tight end in, in this game, but, you know, that was another threat back in week 17. And if you're going to stop playing defense on the Bengals, they're going to carve you up. And that's exactly what happened. And, and the Chiefs let them do that. Yeah, I, I thought if, if there's one thing to pinpoint what went wrong, I thought it was was Andy Reid's decision at the end of the first half. There are four seconds left. You kick the field goal, you go up 21 points. And the reason why you're getting the ball to start the second half, you turn that momentum into another seven it's lights out. You're up 28 points before Bengals even touch the ball again. The whole momentum, Jeremy, you brought up a great point. Toughest thing is keeping that momentum. As soon as they lost that momentum, it was gone. Like they never could get it back. They grew impatient, which I think is another fault of Andy Reid. They got away from the run game. I know JT always laughs at me, but McKinnon was McKinnon was <laughs> McKinnon was averaging five and a half yards per carry. Only touched the ball 12 times. When you have a three-score lead, you got to run the ball. And then Tyreek Hill, eight targets in the in the first half. He had two the rest of the game, including overtime. That is unexcusable. I don't care who the coach is. I don't care what sort of defense they're running. You find ways to get that guy the ball in space, and that falls on Andy Reid as the, as the head coach. So hold on, let me have two things. One, it was very noticeable that Tyreek wasn't getting the ball in the second half. Like it was like night and day how that team was operating. And my second question to you is like, this is a legit question. I, I legit want your opinion insight on this. Are you saying that Andy Reid got out coached by Zach Taylor? No, he didn't. He did not get out coached. He didn't he, get out coached. Okay. He, that's all I wanted to know. I just wanted to know how you it, felt about it that. Com it comes down to what we always say. He got too cute for his own good. And it, and it bit them. It's nothing that the Bengals did. Yes, they made some adjustments. They all, they're always going to make adjustments that work. But if the Chiefs would have stuck to their game plan, they would have eventually scored more than three points in the second half. It's inevitable. And it wasn't, and the Chiefs had opportunity. They also, and that, that goes to the momentum thing, they weren't executing. They were missing, missing, Patrick Mahomes was missing throws. There was drop passes. Uh, the offensive line didn't hold up. So the, 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 that was the other big thing. Bengals defense, woke up and was putting the pressure. Uh, I was screaming at my TV at Buffalo Bills Twitter because I'm like, this is exactly how you beat the Chiefs. Pressure Patrick Mahomes. The only reason he beat the Bills is because they only rushed four because they were so scared of what he could do with his passing. You give him enough time, those receivers or tight ends are way too fast to keep up with. So you, he, all he has to do is buy time back there and he'll carve you up that way. The Bengals did not let him do that. They locked Their first objective was to lock up Tyreek Hill tire him out, take him out of the play, and then send that spy after a while after Patrick Mahomes, and they did that. And, um, you know, obviously it made a huge difference in the second half, and obviously they uh, came back from 18 points doing it that way and forcing the Chiefs to make bad decisions, forcing Patrick Mahomes to, to try to win hero ball. Um, you know, and that's what gunslingers do. That's, that's kind of the plight of the gunslinger. Uh, he'll try to out – he'll try to gunsling himself out of trouble instead of just – that you know learning to be conservative at that point and and then to to jimmy's like 
that's where Andy Reid got out coached. That's where Andy Reid needs to step in and tell Patrick Mahomes, hey, you're doing too much, buddy. You know, check down to McKinnon. Check down to um, I don't I can't remember if Clyde Edwards was playing, but check down to your running backs. Check down to Kelsey. He's sitting there right in the middle, right there. He's always there. <laughs> Travis Kelsey, for some reason, is always open in the middle of the field uh, after a while. So uh, in that in that respect, I would say I would say Andy Reid got out coached because it's like in the NBA when when the other team goes on the run and the coach doesn't call the timeout. It's like, all right, man, they're on like a 12 and 0 run. Call timeout. <laughs> you know, it's, it's one of those things. Yeah. So, so Bert, speaking of the Chiefs, do you believe their dynasty window closed in terms of this particular dynasty of the Chiefs? Um, <clears throat> closing, I'll say. I mean, look, uh, what the last four years, I mean, they've, they've had uh, an AFC championship uh, or hosted an AFC championship game, two of which, I mean, led it to Super Bowls. But I think what you have to keep in mind, too, is the competition within that conference that's heating up when you have guys like um, Josh Allen, that's going to give him a run for the money every year. And now Joe Burrow, uh, you know, you cannot deny his season and a half that he is just absolutely a force to be reckoned with. Um, and, and soon enough, I mean, depending on where some of our great quarterbacks that we're, you know, have been talking about like Aaron Rodgers and see if, where, if he ends up, if he ends up in the AFC, I mean, you know, things could certainly spell trouble for the chiefs. I mean, they're obviously still going to be a contender, but I mean, they're not going to be the only contender in that division. I mean, what we're in that conference, what we're looking at is essentially the, the new Tom Brady, if you will. Now, you know, now that he left, obviously left the game of football, but when he left the AFC and left the Pats, I mean, that this was really theirs for the taking. Uh, Germ, your thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. It's over. It's our a dynasty to me. I, I love how people want to change the definition of what a dynasty is to fit what they like at that moment. Mm-hmm. My, my whole life, a dynasty was like three titles in a row, at least two titles in a row, and then in the title game. That's over before it began with the Chiefs. They got one, uh, and, and the Bengals put a stop to it. And now they have to start it over. The Patriots, right? They had one, had one dynasty in the early 2000s, and then they had like a 10-year gap, and then they had another one. That's not one dynasty. It's two separate ones to me. Right. And and so that's why we're saying with this particular dynasty. Oh, yeah. Then by, by by my definition, again, people have different definitions. By my definition, then, yes, it's over. They had a chance to do it and the Bengals beat them and it's over now. You know, you got to you, to me, you have to win at least two in a row and then at least be in the title game that third year. And I'm OK with you, you know, losing it. But you have to, you know, for me, three, three Super Bowls in a row is a dynasty. Like the Cowboys had a dynasty. To me, that was like the last you know, them and the Patriots were like the last true dynasties to me. But um, yeah, that, so for me, it's over. Remember, beginning of the season, Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, we're going to go 20 and 0. You know, Tyreek Hill said, you know, he gave the whole not five, not six, not seven. Like they were going to win seven titles. They got one. And now we're going to, you know, they're going to in 10 years. We could be sitting here talking about Patrick Mahomes like we talk about Aaron Rodgers right now. Mm-hmm. You know, he's only been there. That, that's why you don't. Hey, Bert, what do I say? You don't crown these dudes too early. You know, everybody's putting Patrick Mahomes in the top five quarterbacks of all time. If he never wins another Super Bowl, you know, what now? Germ, Germ has a theory on sample size. You got to give someone at least three years in any given point to make sure that they are greatness. So whether it's just starting out in court, like, you know, at the quarterback position or any position, you give them three years as a sample size, or even when they are getting to dynasty point or they're getting good, you got to give them three years for that to prove it right. Um, I think maybe onto something here with that. 
Germ, you know, they gave they gave uh, they gave Lamar yeah. Jackson that MVP. Does he look like an MVP now? Does he look yeah, like he's ever going to be? He's not. Yeah, yeah, they they crowned him too early, guys. Oh, don't talk about JT's crazy. guy, Germ. You can't huh? come on the show and talk about man. JT's guy like that. We, yeah. I tell you what, we that that conversation could be an entire show because all situations are created equal. Lamar Jackson's situation in Baltimore. I wish he had the situation that Mahomes has in KC. Germ, he always fits the narrative for himself. I believe Don't it. Forget but that. but you but that works the other way, right? Look at a guy like I mean, we could do it with Zach Thomas because he's in the Super Bowl in his third year. You know, Josh Allen when he got drafted, you know, they did it on potential, but he wasn't that he wasn't as good. The team but wasn't like, good. Also, the team so wasn't was good. Throw, but now it's his third year. Foster. <laughs> now, how many guys are you taking over uh, Josh Allen? Maybe one. Like I, you know, it's 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 so you got to give these guys time. Absolutely. On both sides, I'm I'm trying to preach that to. To Bert's guy, uh, Danny Dimes. I like Danny Dimes. Oh, uh, oh that's a wrap. Don't give him no more time. See, I don't know. Again, he, <laughs> so you have to know. look at these guys in a different basis. Can we judge Daniel Jones when his two coaches were Ben McAdoo and Joe Judge? Like, I don't know. Yes, we've because seen, he's we've shown seen, two, like two or three games where it's like, okay, they're know, flashes, He's shown a little bit more than that. Anything from him. Like, he's been bad. No, he's we'll, had we'll see flashes. this year. He's had flashes, but Jay-Z, yeah, they all came in the rookie season in the fantasy, like those two games, and that was it. Lamar Jackson's life is a flash. It's over for him. Ooh, we gonna talk about Ooh, that. That's a, that's quite a hot take. <laughs> oh, for real. So, JT, the the Chiefs dynasty, you've got it open still, or is it closed? See, it's funny you brought them on, and you were worried about you weren't you thinking they were gonna gang gang up on me. So, I'm not feeling that way right now. So, this feels like you know they might be on my side. <laughs> I agree. It's closed. OV, a wrap, however you, whatever you want to call it, it's done. And a couple of reasons it's done is because one, like you guys made great points. AFC is getting better. The top tier teams, those quarterbacks are coming into their own. Those teams are getting better. Even within their own division, those teams are getting better. Raiders are getting better. Chargers are coming. And then if Aaron Rodgers goes to the AFC, Broncos is probably where he's going to end up. So now you got those three, those three teams right there getting better. And then also too, I look at the Chiefs. And how they're built, it's Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey. Like, that's what it is. And just look at their ages. Kelsey Kelsey's going to be, what, 33 next year? Hill's going to be 28. Those are the two age groups for those positions where the decline is coming. I don't know how Kelsey's doing it, but that cliff is coming. He's going to fall off. And Tyree Kill, you already see him a little bit slowing down, a little bit more injuries here and there. So, if those two dudes aren't elite, elite level players like they've been the past, what, three, four years? Yeah, that dynasty window is closed. And then you add in all the factors into, into why they could make it back to another Super Bowl again. Still can't run the ball. They still don't play defense. And Andy Reid gets too cute in crunch time. Like, you can't have all those issues. And the talent that you rely on to get you to a Super Bowl is declining. Like, it is done. Like, they blew it with that BS move at the end of the first half in the AFC championship game. Yeah, I, I agree with all three of you guys. I think if you take all of your answers combined, like that, that's, that's my answer. I mean, Kelsey's getting old. You've got great young quarterbacks coming up in the AFC. Their defense is not impressive. They need work there. And anytime you've got Mahomes, you have a chance, but as far as germs definition, which I agree of the dynasty, you know, it, it is over. This was their chance to get that second one. And then, maybe get a third along the line with the core. That's the other definition, Germ. It's got to be the same core guys, right? And they yeah. had those core guys with Kelsey, but JT, as you mentioned, getting older, he's the glue guy. When he's on and they're firing, he's he's the biggest reason. And he's going to eventually 
in that position, he's not a quarterback. You know, he's going to get old quicker than a lot of other positions. And, you know, I go back to Peyton Manning's Indianapolis Colts. They had that one title. No one considers them a dynasty. And I feel like Mahomes is going along. This Chiefs team is going along that route. AFC championship games, two Super Bowl appearances, loses one, wins one. Not like that window's closed because the AFC is caught up to them. Now, in terms of them being a dynasty, yes, it's over. That's not to say they won't be competitive or they won't be in it every year. Absolutely. Uh, Here's a couple things to consider, though. I kind of disagree, but I'll let you go. Well, uh, not right now. Honestly, not right now. Right now. Well, honestly, uh, that's what I was was getting at. Next year is probably the year that it's really over because next year, Mahomes' cap hit is only $7 million. The year after, it jumps up to $36 million. And then the year after that, it jumps up to $43 million. This is what happened to the Seattle Seahawks. You pay, you know, these these contracts that are team friendly in the beginning because you have this small window. Eventually it balloons up. You have to pay your quarterback. Now the money is owed. Now you can't keep the Legion of Boom. Everybody's gone. And now look at Seattle. The same thing is about to happen to the Kansas City Chiefs unless something serious happens with Patrick Mahomes restructuring. And there's there's wiggle room. I'm sure he can get that those numbers down a little bit to bring in somebody. And they'll do they'll do some gymnastics, but eventually. You know, uh, the the debt's got to be paid, and and they're not going to have enough. And you know, next year is probably the last year of this version of the Chiefs that we'll see compete for a championship. I see your point, but I raise you this: like, yeah, you're right. He can restructure. The, you know, those mechanisms start ticking in, whatever the hell those are, and they start they start moving the the, the kick of the can down the road. What I look at the Chiefs, why I think they're in trouble, even starting next year, is. As those guys that they rely on get older, like we're also not mentioning the fact that they're terrible talent evaluators. Like who have who do they have behind like Kelsey and and uh, and Hill? There's like okay, like if one of those guys go down, we know they can step up. Byron Pringle, like Demarcus Robertson, like yeah, but those guys have been there. That they're, could they're, be, they're, that could but, be said but they have no. They have every most teams, most teams have some young talent. You're like okay, like. No, the Steelers are a perfect true. example. You Who guys did, always had players. They were like, all right, cool. Like such and such true. goes like we think this guy can like De- at least De- De- shown flashes. Like De- they De- have nobody on their team that's any good besides those two guys on offense. Nah, that's not true. That's very difficult. Ooh, okay, cool. If Kelsey, if Kelsey and Hill go down. A uh, week no, one next I'm year. Sure. Who, who, who's, that's not who's what your I'm, star to step up? That's not what I'm arguing. What I'm arguing is they're, they're really good talent evaluators. They got Kelsey, Hill, Mahomes, uh, Edwards, Hilaire. Like He's those guys trash. are all in house. What? He's been trash. They're Clyde Edwards Alaire. I don't know. He's been, been trash. For, for a first round running back, he has not been good. Anyway, Daryl Williams has been good. You know, they, 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 McCall Hardman, they, they've, McCall Hardman. Hey, but, he had a good game. JT, he was doing, he was you, doing all right until they stopped. Hey, look, man, like, if, thinking, if I got, if my whole office is just throwing you bubble screens and you getting yak, like, you're gonna catch up to that. You're thinking That's the old it's been office. working for him. But, it's been working you're, for him. You're thinking on your argument skewed. You're acting like every team in the NFL has two deep Pro Bowlers. That's so untrue. That's not what I'm saying. See, you, That's see, pretty you're, much what you're no, saying. I'm not. But here's the thing: like, you're talking about, oh, you know, like this, like. They can, Kittle they can went back. down. They Kittle went back. down. Who did the 49ers have? If Sorry. Cup goes down, if Kittle goes down, who do the 49ers have? If Joe Burrow goes down, who, did, who 
They have running backs that can actually run. Like okay, so if Kelsey goes down, you still have Tyree. Kittle did go down this year, and they, and they almost made the Super Bowl. They made I the think playoffs. I'm. I think I'm taking the Chiefs running backs over the Rams running backs, though. And like, Kittle went down. And what happened to the 49ers? They had a dry spell. You're acting like everyone has all this great talent evaluated. But you're acting like outside of Kelsey and Hill, the Chiefs have guys that you trust to start a full a full but season. And, but and that's Germ's whole And point. it's not going to be a big production yeah. drop You're not listening to his point. You're looking two, three years down the line. Germ is saying going into next year, they're competitors. They're contenders for the Super oh, I'm Bowl not, again. I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with. Okay, you. then then but, that's. But this, I think but that's this what is the overall saying. point about. But like, this is also why I think it's done because, like, I do think like next year is when you're going to start to see those guys start to drop off, and it might not be the same. Like you saw it this year. Like that's why I think they struggled. Like those guys who they're relying on so much. So quit. So quit being on the fence. Are they not making the playoffs next year, or are oh, they contenders? See what you try to do. I see. No, what because you try to do. because that's the ultimate you know, you question know, right know, now. I'll I'll do this. I'll appease you. Yes, they'll make the playoffs next year. All right. Because so, they're because they're that, great talent evaluators. McCole Hardman will have a Pro Bowl season, and Clyde Edwards will be comeback player of the year. There Jeremy, you that's you Jeremy, That's how record. you do it. That's how you yeah, do it. That is job. how you do it. Good job. You, you convinced job. them. Good job, yeah. Jeremy. So nice. let's switch to the NFC. The Rams. Let's focus on the Rams first. Uh, Bert, let me start with you again. How did Sean McVay overcome his kryptonite in Kyle Shanahan? Oh, yeah, this 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 for me is a slam dunk. This is completely easy, and I'll tell you how. It's about third chances with Odell Beckham Jr. and a stud named Cooper Cup being led by the god Matt Stafford himself. Oh you want to talk about an unlikely pair of receivers to tear up that field, leading the Rams to the Super Bowl, headed by none other than Matt Stafford. This glorious, glorious Detroit birth football professional finally shedding his skin and showering off that filth from that city and being right where he belongs, playing for the Lombardi Trophy <laughs> next weekend. I, See, I, I, tried, I almost it. <laughs> finished it. I tried to get through it. But no, look, it. Hey, in all honesty, the, here, here's what happened with the Rams. They went for broke. They don't have a first round pick until I think 2024. Um, so they basically hedged all their bets on last year, this year, and potentially next year in itself. Um, but I mean, take nothing away from Matt Stafford's performance as well as the pair of receivers that I mentioned too. I mean, both of them, I think saw upwards of the 11, 12 targets and well over a hundred receiving and played phenomenal games. Um, and you're, we're seeing, we're seeing a side of Odell Beckham Jr. that me as a Giants fan wanted to see through and through, and it seems as though he's checked his ego at least somewhat because he knows he has a shot to get some hardware. Um, but overall, I mean, honestly, I think that's that's how they did it. Now, I will say Shanahan probably made some mistakes along the way in coaching that team, especially this past weekend. But, um, I mean, look, overall, I was I was rooting for the Niners to go down, so I'm, I'm pretty happy. So, Jerm, before you give your answer, can you give us a little bit of background on your thoughts on Matthew Stafford? Because I feel like Bert's comments there on praising Stafford is, is a little bit of a jab to you. It is. It's an absolute jab. He knows what he was doing. And this, this love affair that not only Bert, but the rest of the world have for Matt Stafford, because he did exactly what Jared Goff did a few years ago, is unbelievable. Matt Stafford has been trash for 12 years. Him and Matt Ryan, Hall of Very Good, leading candidates. This guy, this narrative that Matt Stafford didn't have any help in Detroit is ridiculous. We just watched Joe Burrow 
lead the the, the team was called the Bungles. So I, I don't want to hear about oh what kind of franchise he was with. Joe Burrow took the Bungles to the Super Bowl in two years, and and honestly, like a year and a half because he was hurt his rookie year, half his rookie year. Matt Stafford in twelve years went to the playoffs a whopping three times, and just take a wild guess how many of those playoff games he won. Don't worry, I'll tell you three. Twelve years in Detroit, Matt Stafford. Oh, he, he he's he's such a great quarterback. Uh, how many Pro Bowls did this great quarterback make it to? Oh, don't worry, guys. I'll tell you again. One. And he didn't even earn it. He, he was an alternate. So that doesn't even really count. So he's, in my book, in my personal record book, he's never been to a Pro Bowl. And he's never won a playoff game. Now, he gets to uh, the loaded Los Angeles Rams team. And this whole manufactured, uh, and this makes sense for Burt to like this because he's a Yankees fan. So all he does is, all he knows is manufactured <laughs> titles. The Rams have Odell Beckham, and then everybody's loving Odell Beckham. Like, all of a sudden, like, the Browns got it wrong. Even though there's empirical data that says the Browns were indeed better without him. There's empirical data that, as the leading man, he just couldn't get it done because he didn't do shit. I'm sorry, I don't know if I'm allowed to curse. You edit that. Uh, okay, he didn't do nothing. JT said and, worse. Okay, good. Oh, you're not, uh, you're not do nothing in New York. His stuff in, in the in the the job. Oh, he's like, a guest. We don't have okay. him pony right, up cool. for the well, body I'm cussing, I'm, cussing I'm about to let it fly. Then, if there's no Jar. consequences, but then so here we go. Matt Stafford and Odell Beckham. Everybody's glorifying him. He's nothing more than a, a better-looking T.J. Hushmanzada. Remember that guy? Everybody thought he was the man because Ocho Cinco was drawing all the double teams, and then all of a sudden he got his big money because everybody said, oh, this T.J. Hushmanzada guy's really good. And then he went to Seattle, and what did he do? He flopped out, flopped out in Oakland. This is what OB, OBJ's doing, okay? He's eating because Cooper Cup, the best receiver in football, is drawing all the attention, and so Odell Beckham only has to beat, like, the third guy. So uh, enough. Matt Stafford... You know what? And the question was, how did Sean McVay overcome his kryptonite? So I'll tell you. It's clearly not Beckham and Stafford, in your opinion. That's yeah, not. Go, really. go ahead. Well, so, so here's the thing. Have, For me, no, Stafford, no has to do, Stafford has to do what Jared Goff didn't do, and that's win the Super Bowl. To me, this is an indictment on Stafford. He barely got to the Super Bowl. He was a busted coverage in Tampa away from going home in, what, the first round of the wild card weekend or the second round, whatever, divisional round. And then... He was a, uh, a what's his name? Jaquesky Tart interception. That's that's the kryptonite. The easiest interception ever thrown to man. All four of us could have been Jaquesky Tart in that moment and caught that ball. I don't know about Don. Don would have been Tart in that wow. moment. Listen, that's mad disrespect, JT. You know. For, no, no. If, if it was a five-yard interception, hands. oh, you got to house it. But wow. down the field, you got to so, track it. Ball skills, I, I don't know. So that's how Sean McVay overcame his kryptonite. He got help from the other team's poor defense. That's the only reason Matt Stafford is still alive. The luckiest Super Bowl run probably of all time. Check it. I don't know. But, again, me and Bert and all of us, we could have made that interception. It would have been over. And like I said, zero coverage. The DB falls down and Cooper Cup's left wide open. That's it. We could have made that pass that Matt Stafford made. So, no, Matt Stafford doesn't get any credit from me. Win the Super Bowl, and then we'll talk. Well, does that mean you're going to give him credit? Is credit included in that talk? Uh, no, then he'll have to do it again because oh, anybody okay, can see. do anything once, right? So there's going to be a lot of goalposts moving in that conversation. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, you have to do it again. Anybody, Rex Grossman has the same amount of NFC titles that Aaron Rodgers has. Cam Newton has one magical 
15 in one season and one MVP, and then 10 years of seven and nine. You know what that's called, ladies and gentlemen? Don't worry. I'll tell you again. It's called a fluke. This is a fluke by Matt Stafford. JT, what are your thoughts? I mean, how am I going to follow up those two? Like, like both great points, but here's the thing. We get, I feel like we're just going to have to have a separate show on things and I'm just going to have to rebut German because I, I like a lot of stuff you say, but man, like you, you went, you going way too hard for Stafford, man. You want to talk about how we can make easy interceptions in our sleep. You know how hard it is to make a pro bowl in Detroit, even as an alternate, like, like that's impossible. Like literally the man's back there throwing 50 times a game with no, he had Megatron one guy, enough, enough. He had, he that's had one Megatron. Guy. enough. That's enough one that. guy. That's one guy, but but, uh, but he's had help. They, in 2014, he's had one of the best defenses. He had Jim Caldwell, one of the top. He had help. He had good running backs. He was gifted T.J. Hawkinson in his later running years. Running backs they had in Detroit: Carry Jock Johnson, Bell, Reggie Bush's one one thousand yard. Jock Bell, right? Jock Bell, Bell. 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 Jock Bell, Jock Bell. Jock Bell. I don't care about the first name. It's the quality of the running back that I'm questioning right yeah, now. But Jock Bell wasn't a bad like. Like how many great running backs are there? Like you, you we just we're watching. Joy Bell's not you know, one of them, and none of only probably the greatest is probably played for Detroit, but that was not with Stafford. But like, come on, like you're talking about. Joy Reggie Bell. Joy Bell is better than Clyde Edwards Elaire. They're the same guy. And you see, I mean, you we I think Edwards Elaire is trash. So there we oh, go. Well, so all right. Well, I guess we can't. All right. But to, to answer the question, um, how did McVeigh overcome his kryptonite? Two things. One, having Stafford instead of golf. I think that definitely helps. And you see how the team just seemed to respond different on offense, a little bit at a higher clip than they were with golf. And then also just ha not having Jimmy G as your quarterback and having to play against him. Like it's clear that the 49ers are winning in spite of him all year. And it finally came back and bit him in the ass. So if you have in a quarter a, a discrepancy in the quarterback play that's that much different from your from your opponent, like that's an easy way to beat the guy that's consistently beat you throughout your career. The Lions have three Pro Bowlers this year. Uh, just just saying. So so trash teams uh, can Who have made Pro, the Pro Bowl from the Lions. T.J. Hawkinson and uh, one of their defensive ends and one of their offensive linemen. Way to go. Jared Goff still was bad. Well, well Bert, I'm going to agree with you. The Rams just had a better overall team than the 49ers. That was the difference. I mean, McVay and Shanahan are both good coaches. It came down to execution and who's not going to make mistakes and who's going to make the plays at the end. And the Rams got the better superstars and the better playmakers. And that was the difference. And starting with just to, to, to kind of irritate Germ, Stafford, right? You got Cup. I, I agree, Germ. Cup, if not the best, at least one of the best receivers, top three in the league. Mm -hmm. Beckham, I mean, he's still making plays regardless of how you may feel about him. Aaron Donald on the defensive side. Jalen Ramsey, even though he got beat um, in that yes, game. You're going to name everybody on their roster? No, yes, just the good. superstars. Just the superstars. So, they trusted Stafford. They put him in good spots, and, and, and he did come through regardless. Hey, sometimes a little bit of it is luck. The Bengals have gotten there on luck a little bit too, right, whether it's other teams making mistakes or whatever. So at the end of the day, Rams just had the better team and the better team won, and I think I think that's why he was able to get, get over that, that kryptonite. So 
looking at the 49ers then, Germ, did the I, I know this is definitely a JT question. You can you can tell when JT comes up with these questions because you could see in that answer he gave. No, you can't he took because a jab. if you don't like it, you'll just take he, it out of the show. He, he took a jab at yeah. Jimmy. He took a jab at Jimmy G. So, Germ, did the 49ers make a mistake rolling with Jimmy G basically the entire season when he was healthy? No, because the data proves that they're way better with him than they are without him. And you play your best guy. Uh, I blame Kyle Shanahan for not coaching to Jimmy G's strengths. You know what his strengths and weaknesses are. Don't you see him? Like Kyle Shanahan has developed a habit of making these bad decisions in these playoff games. And and so, like, I know people rag on Jimmy G because he's not Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady, but you can't argue the fact that they were 36 and 15 with him and then 8 and 24 without him. The the team, the, the only change in the teams were that Jimmy G was not the starting quarterback. So, to say that he doesn't move the needle at all for the 49ers is ridiculous. So no, they, they didn't, they didn't make the choice. They spent all that capital on Trey Lance. You have to know he's that dude. The fact that they went to Jimmy G to start and they traded all that just for Trey Lance shows that somebody doesn't know what they're doing. And I don't know if it's John Lynch. I don't know if it's Kyle Shanahan, but you don't trade three picks to move up to get a quarterback and then not start him all year. Uh, You don't do that to sit a guy. Like it just, you could have used those three picks to actually help your team now, and maybe you'd be in the Super Bowl instead of the Rams. Bert, would you have gone with Jimmy G as long as the 49ers did? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You have to. I mean, you're, you're paying. I mean, he's still under contract for, what, at least one or two more years. So uh, I, I will say to Jerm's point, though, I mean, we've talked about this on, on our show a lot. You know, how soon do we rush rookie quarterbacks into things and, and is it kind of make or break in what we're seeing throughout the league? Um, Joe Burrow is, you know, a case, um, you know, uh, a unicorn, if you will. And then, I mean, you look at what happened in Jacksonville too. And you're just like, Jesus, like, I mean, obviously it's not for everyone. Um, and you wonder like, Hey, listen, should quarterbacks sit a year? Should they learn more now? What Germ just said, is it worth trading up those picks to have a guy sit behind Jimmy G for so long? No, not necessarily, but if they are kind of hedging their bet for the future, I understand it. But I mean, Jimmy signed a five-year contract, I think what, back in like 2018, 2019. So he still has at least one or two years left. So for them to roll with anybody else while he's healthy would look absolutely foolish unless you're going to get written, unless you're going to deal him, you're going to trade him before the season's over and you better get something back for him and, and hope that Trey Lance is ready to go. So I mean, look, they, they put themselves in the best possible position. Germ also had a good point too, in terms of Shannon coaching for Jimmy's strengths too. Um, honestly, he just dropped the ball on that. No pun intended. Um, but I think you still got to roll with Jimmy. It's the only answer. And, and I'm, I, I said, I'm a giant fan. If I were a 49er fan and I saw them not roll with Jimmy for whatever reason, I mean, I, I was a fan of Eli through and through, through the twilight of his career, all the way through the end when he was doing terrible. And when Ben McAdoo that I can't curse, but Ben McAdoo that, you know, POS, like, like, when he sat him for that one game to bring in Geno Smith of all people, it was like, what are you doing? Like, no, this is our guy. So San Fran definitely did the right thing. JT? Matt, Matt Stafford played with nine pro bowlers in his tenure in Detroit and couldn't get it done. <laughs> oh, over how many years, Jerm? 12 seasons? Come on. 12 man. seasons. There's been teams that have had seven, eight, nine pro bowlers in one season. I mean – yeah, we're, but, we're, those, gonna have but to, we're talking. We're going to have to like, agree. Are, we, to are you talking about the teams like? Are you talking about the teams like the Chiefs and the Rams and the teams that are loaded up top? Are you talking about? Do you think more teams in the NFL are built like the Chiefs or more teams are built like the Rams? 
nowadays it's probably like a mix. I mean, in some teams, I would say more even, than half the teams the lean. But German, this is the other thing. Other teams aren't good at anything, and that's Detroit. It, it's the team. Just go down the teams that have never been to a Super Bowl, have never won a Super Bowl. The Bengals are finally getting it right. I mean, you, you can't argue the history of the Detroit Lions, and I think that in the end, Germ, is, is where we just – I'm with JT. You can't I got to disagree on that the, point. The, they've had the my, – my point is – the talent is there. The talent eventually has to win out. They had Barry Sanders. They had Calvin okay. Johnson, and, and they ruined it. Those two guys, you exactly, they ruined it. Why did Barry and Calvin retire? Because, because they, they had guys like Matt Stafford quarterbacking no, the game. That it, That's no. why. It's because they didn't have enough Matt Staffords in all the other positions. Barry Sanders would have loved to have played with a Matt Stafford. I guarantee you, if you ask him, he never had – he had Eric Kramer, Andre Ware – Scott Mitchell, Charlie. You can just Bat- stop at Andre Ray. You don't even have to say anything else. <laughs> Matt Stafford had Andama Kinsu, Ziggy Ansah, and Darius Slay. Oh, Ziggy Ansah, who's guaranteed to miss half the games. He was a pro bowler. Hey, two times in but Detroit. You're, you're looking at one season, and that's the thing. No, no, I'm looking. I'm looking. They, I mean, these are multiple time pro bowlers other than Darius Slay. And he had Golden Tate. He's he's had Kenny Galladay. He's had talent. He, he, had nobody, Con- he had Kenny Galladay for two seasons, and Kenny Galladay played four games total in those two years. Ask the Giant fans. They they are probably he really – oh, so You just mentioned Golden Tate and Galladay. I'm sitting here, like, biting my lip like, Jesus Christ. Like, I mean, but they, but they played to the point where a team offered them big money. Now, what happened after that, we can play – Because you know, of Matt Stafford. Matthew Stafford got them that contract. That is true. Listen, they, they made Matt, the, Matthew Stafford relevant. That's what Ooh. happened. I see two things are going to need to happen. One, we're going to have to have a Matthew Stafford. Show. Yeah. Calvin Johnson would rather Calvin Johnson rather have retired than catch another pass from uh, Matt Stafford. That's not true. His time. He just didn't true. want to put his body through another year of knowing the lines have no chance because the front office is not good. Germ, you, you would definitely retire if you were getting. Uh, if Matt Stafford was my quarterback, co- yes, I would retire. Return coverage, gunner coverage, and knowing whether I catch this ball or not. We're probably gonna lose the game because we don't have enough pieces on this team. And and Bert, trust me, we're gonna get you to put something in the swear jar too. So that's coming. <laughs> so, <laughs> we'll cash up you. I, lo- I like yeah. <laughs> uh, JT, I know you want to talk about this. Did the 49ers roll? See, don't assume. Did they roll I, too long with Jimmy G? Um, Jerry <laughs> uh, made a good point about the data. It's funny, like. Sometimes numbers do lie because, yeah, you're right, they do win with Jimmy G, but also, like, the numbers, if you dig further, look at all the wins they've had when he doesn't throw a touchdown. So, like, their best offense is hiding him and limiting him and, I guess, playing to whatever his strengths are as a quarterback. But as as low as I think of Jimmy G as a quarterback, Trey Lance is worse. And <laughs> every time he got on the field this year, it's like, you want to talk about busted coverages. If it's not a busted coverage and Debo's not wide open, like I worry about what the ceiling of this offense is for him this year. So if they didn't start Jimmy G, they might not even made the playoffs, but it's not a compliment to Jimmy G It's just, that's the the better of two evils. They'll be drafted a new quarterback in two years. They're, they're going to regret the decision of, so you, I I would get rid of Kyle Shanahan before I got rid of Jimmy G. And that's just real. That's just me. I, I, you know, they, he does nothing to help Jimmy G out and he wants to, he wants to coach a certain way. And Trey Lance, I, he believes is the way that he wants to coach it. The problem is Trey Lance ain't any good. So well, let, me ask you a question. let me ask you a question. So 
would you would you how would you compare Shanahan as a play caller to somebody like Andy Reid? So Shanahan reminds me of Jason Garrett in a way where he has this idea of how the offense is supposed to run. And instead of catering it to people that he has, he'll just find the people to run his offense. So like he looks at a quarterback like Jimmy G, who is more of a methodical guy. He wants somebody who can make these quick read decisions and and, and do this and do uh, uh, kind of like the Patrick Mahomes thing or the, the Joe Burrow thing. And look at what Jimmy G was able to do in New England. That's the style he needs. He needs, hey, system, these pl- a lot of quarterbacks are seated there. But that's what I'm saying. So Jimmy is a system quarterback, but he has to there has to be a specific system. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, there was not there's nothing wrong with quarterbacks. Not all quarterbacks can be Josh Allen or Aaron Rodgers or, you know, uh, Patrick Mahomes that can adapt to how plays are broken down. Some quarterbacks like Ryan Tannenhill and Kirk Cousins and Jimmy Garoppolo need an offensive system that they can run uh, consistently. It's it's more surgical. It's it's less freestyle play. And that's what Kyle Shanahan kind of wants to do. Uh, and I don't know about the rest of the roster. I don't know how it all fits, but it just Jimmy G that to me, that strengthens the Jimmy G argument that he was good enough to overcome that, even though that's not the style that benefits him. So that's, you know, they're going to, they're going to regret, they're going to regret getting rid of Jimmy G. I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this right now. If, if the 49ers let Kyle Shanahan go, they'll, they'll regret that. Cause you look at everywhere Shanahan has gone. Those quarterbacks have played well, like Washington, he's OC. RG3's only good year. How many Super Bowls I got? Matt Ryan, who Don thinks is is basically dead for all intents and purposes. Like he's an MVP. Like, come on. Like, like, is it okay to admit that Jimmy? How many MVPs does Matt Ryan have? He has one, right? One. Does he? Okay. I don't know. And it was Matt Shanahan was his OC. That's my point. But I'm saying Matt Ryan is taller, Matt Stafford. So I don't pay attention to the Hall of Very Good guys. Um, so he's so he has one. We just talked about Cam Newton. Anybody can do it once. MVP doesn't matter. It's just that yeah, popularity but, contest. But Shanahan has a track record. He's a, he's a, I think he's a top five play caller. Now, does he get questionable in certain situations? Yeah. And that's why I asked, asked you about the Andy Reid, because everybody says Andy Reid is so great. My phone blows up every time the Chiefs do something great. Oh, give Andy Reid his roses. He's top five all time. And then they play the Bengals and that should happen. So, yeah, but like, Andy I Reed think also they're in that took- same tier. Andy Reid also took two separate franchises to four straight conference title games. Like there's a there's a level of winning you have to. But he's also coached longer. Okay, that's that's a test. We see how fast these coaches are getting. Some coaches don't even make it a year. So I'll tell you what, if if Kyle Shanahan somehow comes across this show and you listening, whatever. Look, if the 49ers fire you, come to Miami. We'll gladly take you. So, Germ, you brought up. I love the research you did because you brought up his record and the 49ers were right. You had to go and run with Jimmy G. I mean, it's a results driven business. He gets the results, whether you like his stats or how he gets there, he gets the wins and it's proven when he has not been there with this team over the past two, three years, they don't win quite as often. So I thought they were right. And then going back to Bert's point and I had it written down, like it's the long-term aspect was, I think going in, they knew Lance wasn't going to be ready. And, Jerm, I think you're giving up on Lance way, way, way too soon. He missed the entire season before he got drafted, too. Right. And the thing is – That makes it more egregious to me. Well, the thing is, they this was their plan. And I actually give the 49ers props for staying patient 
in not going to Trey Lance too early, knowing they had Jimmy G. And to be honest, is this a Super Bowl contending team? Eh, Obviously, if they had an Aaron Rodgers or Mahomes, of course. But with a Jimmy G or Trey Lance, I don't think they were quite ready, but they're getting there. And I think their plan is once they're finally well-rounded, that is when Trey Lance steps in and they'll have him ready. But, you know, going back to one other thing, Germ, I think you had mentioned the the fact of having Jimmy G, they can win with him. Yes, they can. And I've always been a big Jimmy G fan until the playoffs have come around the last couple of times. The Super Bowl, and, and you can you can argue it, it's only one throw. He hits Emmanuel Sanders, which in the sure. Super Bowl, if you want to be the man and you don't want to be in these sort of conversations, whether it's Trey Lance or Jimmy G, you make that throw. I don't For want sure. to hear an argument. You had yeah. protection. Sanders had his guy beat. And then you look at, yep. I think you look in the Rams game, he missed another guy in a similar situation where if he makes that pass, in stride, it's ball game. I don't think the Rams catch him. And that's where eventually, I got to agree with, with JT, you keep Shanahan and Jimmy G walks eventually because Jimmy G will get you there, but he can't finish the job. And at the end of the day, if we're just wanting to look good, not get fired, go to an NFC championship game, keep Jimmy G. He's going to keep you competitive because he doesn't do anything to quite lose you the game. But when it matters against the really good – against the really good teams in the NFC championship game and Super Bowl, there's going to come that one or two throw throws that you need. He's not going to be able to do it. And then what I'll call him Matthew Stafford and you'll probably disagree, but, (laughs) but you you see my point, like he's really good. Any organization would be happy. The Steelers would have loved to have had him this year, but at the end of the day, he still would not have won a Super Bowl for the Steelers, you know? So are we good with the championship recap? Anybody got to get anything else out? That was a lot there. Don't say anything about, you know, who can't say that person's name. That's going to that's gonna trigger another conversation. <laughs> All right. So let's move on. Staying in the NFL, huge news on Tuesday that, that really stole the headlines as it should. That was former Miami Dolphins coach Brian Flores. He filed a class action lawsuit against the NFL and its teams for racial discrimination, accusing them of, Uh, sham interviews, incentivizing losses in pressure to improperly recruit players. A major factor is the text message uh, that Bill Belichick sent to Flores prior to his second interview with the Giants that Belichick had heard from, and I quote here, Buffalo and NYG, meaning the New York Giants, that you are their guy, end of quote. Belichick meant to send that text message to Brian Dable, who was eventually hired as the Giants head coach. Currently, there's only one black head coach. That is Mike Tomlin of the Pittsburgh Steelers. So, Jerm, let me start with you. Just your initial thoughts when you heard about the lawsuit filed by Brian Flores. So when I first when I first heard about it, I said, that makes sense. Stephen Ross is a big Trump guy. There, there's a lot of things going on that you read uh about Stephen Ross the last couple of years that have kind of went under the radar um in terms of who he keeps company Mitch McConnell being at the top of that list and and so it doesn't it didn't surprise me it doesn't surprise me at all because as a black person I think JT uh can appreciate this we're hypersensitive to stuff like that 100%. and so I, when I was doing some research I came across a list 
All right. Art Shell, Dennis Green, Ray Rhodes, Tony Dungy, Herm Edwards, Marvin Lewis, Lovey Smith, Romeo Cannell, Mike Tomlin, Mike Singletary, Jim Caldwell, Raheem Morris, Leslie Frazier, Todd Bowles, Anthony Lynn, Vance Joseph, Steve Wilkes, Brian Flores, and David Culley. That is the list, the complete list of the black head coaches in NFL history ever since day one. That's it. 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, 16, 18, 19 names. That's the list. That's it. That's it. <laughs> That's not How many of those third, guys who have been fired? One, that's not even one per NFL team right now. That's not even one per NFL team. And then you have a team like Burt's team, like the Giants, who've never had a black head coach. Now, I'm not sitting here pining that you have to have a black head coach. I'm all for, to me, the Rooney rule and spirit is great. But I, I, I do get, hey, you want the best guy qualified. But to me, there's the, the disparity is too big to, for it to not be nothing. So... I, you know, when you look at it, it's like, damn, the league is 70% black. Like, how, how can there not be more black head coaches? And uh, uh, me and Bert talk about this all the time, even with society. Like, uh, the NFL is like a microcosm of the world, right? Old, rich, white guys run it. And then, you know who they're going to get? They're going to get young, rich, white guys who turn into old, rich, white guys who are going to hire young, rich, white guys. And it's just going to keep going. And so it, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, the fact that, that he has... You know, this all started because Bill Belichick couldn't tell which one was white Brian and which one was black Brian in his phone. Literally is is nuts. It's, it's nuts. And 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 to be offered, if if anything, if Stephen Ross, uh, if it's proven true, if 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 Brian Flores can prove that he was offered that money and it, Hugh Jackson came out and said that he was uh, also offered money to lose, Jalen Ramsey was told in that AFC title game that the commissioner wanted the. Uh, the the Jaguars to lose that game at half to not play to give it to the Patriots because it would be better for the NFL and so like that's crazy to hear that if any of that's proven true Pete Rose has been banned for baseball for way less <laughs> so Stephen Ross should never be allowed to touch football and anybody else who's involved in this shouldn't be allowed to, to touch football in any capacity you know this goes back to the John Gruden thing to the Daniel Snyder thing these 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 old rich white guys Hey, I'm not talking about, and I have to say it on my show. I'll say it on this one. I'm not talking when I say white guys. I'm not talking about cool white guys like Bert and Don. I'm talking about you, white guys, the white guys who know I'm talking who I'm talking about, and you guys. Everybody knows. So when I when I read it, honestly, I I wasn't shocked. I wasn't shocked at all, and and uh, you know, and, and it's sad that I wasn't shocked. Bert, what what were your initial thoughts? Um, I. I, I hate to say it, but I, I wasn't shocked as well. I mean, I, we've heard of reports of this in years past, um, you know, individuals uh, who were invited out for uh, coaching jobs in Dallas who were basically taken out to dinner. And at the end of the dinner, they knew like, all right, well, I knew this was just kind of like checking the box with the Rooney rule in itself. Um, I said this on our show the other night for, for Brian Flores to come out and he admitted it himself to you know, to have this evidence and to come out and make these allegations, he's risking never coaching ever again in the NFL at any level, head coach, coordinators, quarterbacks, coach, like anything. Um, so, I mean, he is really taking a stand here and I think it's absolutely necessary. What's damning to me, not necessarily just Steven Ross and, and his inability to, to run a team and, and coming from, I'm an outlier giant fan and a family of dolphin fans. You know, we've known that for a long time. Uh, but the fact that he had asked his head coach to tank for money and Flores being a stand-up guy, not doing it, um, he turned down uh, what would have been tampering too and meeting with individuals in the off season. He, but I think the biggest thing for me, 
And it's very disappointing from a Giants fan perspective because the second Flores was fired by the Dolphins. I think you guys were on the show, actually. I was like, yeah. hey, let's go. Yeah, you're on our show. I was like, let's go bring him up to New York. There is no reason. Now, granted, he, he finishes in Miami with about a 500 uh, record, give or take. I think it was like 24 and 25. I mean, to me, what he did there with that squad and that, that awful, awful quarterback is still something to, to look upon. Um, so, I mean, I, I was ready to take him in a heartbeat. Like there's really no other guy that he claims he has text messages from individuals in the giants organization saying, you are our guy. Let's win this thing. Like, let's go. And then for, for, for the giants to have a final interview with him. And then Belichick sends this text message. Like, Hey, I heard, I heard you're in talking about Dable. I mean, that in itself is enough proof to be like, you didn't even give me a fair shot of consideration. Um, which is yeah, because up until that point, Bert, he didn't even interview yet. That's Correct. why he was like, uh, not with, not with, um, not with, with the Giants. Giants. Oh, the yeah, Giants yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was, <clears throat> it's, it's disappointing. But I mean, you, you look at that specific example, which alone points to the fact that yes, you know, he, he there was bias there, and the fact that he was discriminated against. Look at all the other teams he interviewed with. We're talking about, for all intent and purpose, a winning NFL coach who's not sniffing up a job somewhere else immediately after even dolphin fans, JT, like we're sitting there scratching their heads. Like, what are we doing here? Like getting rid of Flores, who's a player's coach, who's a winning coach. And then all these other opportunities seem to be filled by other white coaches. Josh McCown. Yeah. Josh McCown was calling high school. He was a high school quarterbacks coach, a volunteer. Yeah. Is somehow a finalist for the Houston Texans job. Like he gets to just jump ahead of the line. And I read you a list of all the black coaches ever. How many of them have gotten second chances or third chances? Romeo Cornell is the only one that I remember on that list. Mm-hmm. You know, well, here, like, I think it's, it's a very short list of who got second chances. That's for sure. It's, yeah, it's a, it's a couple, maybe two it's or three like, guys. Yeah, just like that. two or three. But how many, how many white coaches have gotten second, third chances anywhere? And yeah. even as coordinators, you know, sometimes decades apart. You know, yeah, Dick, yeah, Ver- yeah. Nuts, Dick Vermeil, so. Joe Gibbs. Now, granted, mm-hmm. Joe Gibbs had Super Bowl, but Dick Vermeil right, had, right, not, right. Did, had not been a Super Bowl champ when he went to the Rams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just it's it's disappointing to still see. Um, and you know, like we're like, how does this get fixed? I mean, this this is this a Goodell thing? Does he have to step in? It's clearly an ownership thing from team to team. But as Jerem mentioned. That you know, they're got 32 rich white guys out there, not one single minority. Well, single black shot con, I think shot is the, the Jacks, only yeah. minority order. Yeah, yeah. So I who how did how do we fix this? How do we do it? I think honestly, it starts at ground level, and you have these look, you have white head coaches right now with with black coordinators and and other black coaches on their staff. How about start stepping up and being advocates for them? Instead of Belichick going and congratulating after he realized that he texted the wrong Brian, he should have went into damage control and be like, Hey, you know what? You know, screw New York. Uh, let's try to get you a head coach job somewhere else. You're Bill Belichick. Your word alone to other organizations should mean something, especially because he coached for you at some right. point in time in your in, in his career. Like you're not going to sit here and stand up for these individuals that have coached for you and helped you win Super Bowls too. You know, it's not it's not the Bill Belichick show for all time, but like there's a, a team of guys underneath it. So. You know, like I said, it sucks. It's shitty. I mean, Flores rightfully should absolutely win this and get paid. And, you know, whether he gets hired again is a different story. I, I hope to see it. I hope there's a team out there that, that knows his worth just as a coach. Um, and, you know, take all of this aside, just hire him for the job that he's done. You know, like he, he's proved himself through and through. Yeah. And I think um, unless I'm unless I'm wrong, correct me if I'm wrong, he 
back-to-back winning seasons yeah. with the Dolphins, right? I yeah. mean, that right there shows his credentials. I mean, he yeah. should be able to enter into any opening of an NFL head coach vacancy and kind of be at the top of the line, um, unless it's some other Super Bowl winning coach that, you know, like a Sean Payton. But any other guy like Flores should be at the top of everyone's list that has an opening because of what he did the last two years with the Dolphins. We're talking, no offense, JT, we're talking the Dolphins. This is oh, not the none, none taken. It's we not are a shit New show. <laughs> it's not New England. It's the Dolphins. And so, yeah, Jerm, did you have something else before I kick it? Oh, no, it, it's actually, I was going to actually start answering the second question, but you didn't ask it yet. Um, I, I, like, I like it, Bert and Jerm, they're, they're ready. Let me go well, to no, I, I was going to ask it accidentally. I was going to answer it accidentally. <laughs> and then well, I saw that it was a question. So I was like, oh, wait, never mind. I'll just wait until he asks it. Okay, got it, got it. JT. What were your initial thoughts? So um, uh, great, great points by you guys. 100% right. Uh, for me personally, uh, because I do like Flores, for, obviously I'm a Dolphins fan, so it's a little bit more personal for me. Uh, same sentiments. I was, I was not surprised, but to be honest with you, I was really pissed off, and I'll tell you why. I, one, I feel like we have this – we talk about this every year on our show – why aren't why aren't these qualified black coaches and co- coaches of color not getting hired? Why are they getting overlooked? How do we fix it? Boom, we come up with our ideas and we go to the next cycle and then the same shit happens. And then I look at it, I'm like, first of all, like Brian Flores, if you just want to talk about like everybody's always trying to tell me that the NFL is this meritocracy, you get what you earn. And it's like, you can't keep pissing in my face and telling me it's rain. Like it's that's not the way it goes. Like I look at Brian Flores he was the most experienced and accomplished head coach that was available. And the only head coach that got fired with the winning record, like, and the giants didn't think he was worth more than a Rooney rule, like requirement, like that, that is bothersome. And then I look at guys like Byron Leftwich and Eric B like those guys are offensive coordinators on top three, top five offenses, offenses the past three, four years. And it's like, they're not even be, like people aren't fighting over them. You know who they're fighting over? Dan Quinn, like who's proven he's failed as a head coach. Like Mike McCarthy is getting to keep his job. And it's like, that just really pissed me off. But I tell you what, one thing about Brian Flores, like I hear people, you guys said it too, like, oh, you know, like he's risking his career. I'm telling you one thing. If, if you can hook Brian Flores up to a lie detector test, he will tell you the reason he did that is because he knew his career was already done. If I can't get a fair interview or a fair look for a job after the resume that I put on tape, it's just not going to happen. And I think he basically said, you know what? I've been to the top. I've been with Bill Belichick. I'm going to give everybody the playbook to why this shit doesn't get fixed. And I applaud him for that because this is what needed to happen. And I'm like, I look at a couple things within that. One, the tanking thing to me really was bothersome more than them not getting legitimate interviews because Don will tell, Don will tell you, but I've had this theory for the past couple of years that you can pretty much tell which coaching jobs are going to be available to the black coaches and one of the reasons why black coaches aren't as successful or seen as successful is we always get the shitty jobs that are left over everybody knew that the one job that black coaches were going to qualify for last year was the texans job but nobody else wanted that job so they had to go give it to somebody and it's like when are black coaches going to be considered for really good job jobs that put them in really good positions to win? Like to me, Cincinnati was a, was a gold mine cap space. 
think they were in the position to draft an elite quarterback. Like their franchise was understanding that they were starting over. That's why when I was on your show, I said Jacksonville is my ideal place if I were a head coach because it's the same situation. They have the quarterback. He's under a rookie deal, cap space. The franchise understands they need time. And it's like, no, they're talking about bringing in Doug Peterson, who didn't even coach last year for that job. And it's like, we have to start getting better jobs. And I feel like I'm proud of Brian Flores for bringing that to the light. And that tanking situation just all but proves it. It's like, basically, you only see the black coaches that you hire as placeholders until you get to where you're going. And then you bring in the guy you think can get you there. And to me, that's a slap in the face. And I feel like it's embarrassing. It's degrading. And I can see why there's black coaches this year that are either not taking interviews, turning down jobs, or they're not, they're not taking interviews at all. And it's because this is what they go through on the cycle. And until white coaches come out and tell me that they have been offered money to lose games, then I know it just happens to us. And that is a major, major problem. So my, my overall thought when I heard this is just the same thing that I think every year. The Rooney rule is broken. And stop telling me that it's this great thing because it's not, because it's making it worse. Jeremiah, I saw you kind of perk your face up when he talked about the Jacksonville job. Not to go off on a tangent, but yeah. I'll let you real quick if, you, if if there's anything you want to say about the Jacksonville job. And, and he said that they have their job. quarterback, and and I was just saying Trevor Lawrence sucks. They don't. They're going to be drafted into one of those two. <laughs> Man, this yeah, guy, they, QB they, they have, hater. They this a, guy's a QB hater. Uh, that that's a dream job to me. Like you have a quarterback on a rookie deal that you can develop. You have the number one pick again. You have top three cap space and the fan base and the owner understand you in a rebuild, you get time. Like somebody's well, going to go into that job and they're going to be successful. I agree with you there. But the thing about Shad Khan being the only minority owner that Bert was saying, Shad Khan is going to be is pressured because he's surrounded by a bunch of old white guys to do what oh, they say. Sure. So it, it, he's not really like, I hate to say it like this. He's not really an ally because it's not by, it's not his fault. It's just like, I can't expect somebody to be, like I can't expect him to try to go against all the other owners because we've seen how that game yeah. is played. He has it, to protect his his political connect. So I understand that. So kind of it's just a shitty way all around. My uh, one of my initial thoughts, and JT, you harped on it at the end. There is, I think it goes to show you the character of Brian Flores that he's willing to do this. I think it shows his selflessness that he's willing to risk his career and, and JT you may be right maybe he thought it was already kind of not going to get any better as far as a head coaching process yeah, if I gotta go to if Houston is my only option I might as well just it's it's a wrap like I might as well just go back to college but putting that putting that thought aside I still thought you're right like he's willing to risk his career and he's willing to risk it for the ones that'll be coming behind him right and, and you know I'm sure all four of us would agree that we always we would want things to be better than the way we had it in that the way we can, you know, we can leave it better than the way we found it. And I think that is what he's trying to do. And that in in that is impressive that he's will because being a coach, being sports fans, I mean, can you imagine being an NFL head coach and hopefully getting another chance at some point? And he's he's basically almost saying that, you know what? I'm going to put that's not as important as getting things right. And I think that goes to show you the integrity in the character of the guy. And on the flip side, I think Bert may have hammered home on my second point, my second 
one of my other thoughts was, are we really shocked that there's discriminatory hiring practices in the NFL? Like we see it every year, every coaching cycle. It's just now it, it's coming to the forefront because of a lawsuit. I mean, that's really the only difference is now there's a lawsuit literally calling out the NFL and its owners. That's the only difference. If not, I think all four of us on this episode would agree it's not a shock that this has happened, is happening in this cycle, and, and will in the future. So um, those were just two of my initial thoughts, a, along many others that you guys had hit upon too. Um, Jerm, before we go on to the next question, because it is something that you had had you were going to answer. Anything mm-hmm. else before before we before we leave? Oh uh, no, question? no, that 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 was it. That was it basically. Um, so Jerm, let me start with you then on this one. How can the NFL fix the problem of the lack of black coaches being hired as head coaches? All right, everybody have their pens and papers out because I'm going to tell you it's it. really, it's really, it's it's long, it's a deliberate, it's it's a, a huge thing. You guys ready? They can't. They can't. It's that simple. They can't fix it because it's a societal issue. You, society, the NFL, America has to change how they view black people first, right? For a long time, black people couldn't be offensive coordinators. They couldn't even be quarterbacks because it was considered a cerebral position. Black people were too stupid to be quarterback, right? And then, and that was like less, that was within our generational lifetimes, right? Our parents' lifetimes. Like that wasn't that long ago, <laughs> you know what I mean? So like, and, and so it, it can't change. Like people forget that like there were slaves like 150 years ago. You know what I mean? That's in the totality of time. That's not that long ago. You know, my grandmother's uh, and my father's birth certificate says Negroid on it because they were born in the South. Like we're, we're not that far removed. And a lot of these owners are in families that were directly involved in that type of stuff. And so the, the answer to your question is they can't. People ageism, time, time is the only way to fix it. These old guys, uh, we need younger people to get older who have a, 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 a more diverse mindset that don't think mindset. the way some of these old owners think, where it doesn't matter if the person is a woman or transgender or gay or black or yellow or white or purple. If they're good at the job, they're good at the job. And so the only thing that can really fix it is time. Very well said, Jerm. Uh, Bert? <clears throat> Look, there's not much I can add that or, or, or I'm qualified to, to speak on, to be honest with you. Um, Jerm made a great point about time, you know, just uh, forcing individuals to change up their train of thought. I think the last thing Jerm said hits home, like just hire them because they can do the job. Who gives a shit what they look like? They could look like a like a sorry, I curse. They could look like a like a revolting blob of just nothing. Like who cares? Can they perform? Can they bring your 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 team to a championship? Can they win that championship? That's what should matter, you know. And as I said before, I mean, you had you had a winning coach go on the market, and we had teams just completely disregard him. And now we have teams that are like out there defending their actions as though what they did was like by the book, which is just disgusting in itself. Um, you know, look, so, so hopefully time can, I, I, you know, I think more allyship can absolutely help too. But I mean, it was said before, you, we've old, rich, white guys, um, you know, uh, I hate to call them out, but the Jerry Joneses of the world who you know for a fact 
like unfortunately have these these beliefs and it's ever it's ever more apparent and you know uh the fact that and i keep going back to you know obviously because it hits home for me the giants just decided to to let their new gm bring in a guy that he was buddies buddies with in the same organization he just came from you know without even considering you know a winning coach to me just still doesn't sit well um a part of me and I'm, I'm i don't care if this is recorded i'm going on record saying and a lot of giants fan i'll take away my fan card for saying this but i almost hope the ball is not, not not successful so we can point to that and say yeah, you messed up. You made the wrong hire because you brought someone from an organization you came with and it was easy for you instead of actually doing your job and interviewing a coach that could be good for this position. Um, that's how like angry I am over it where I'm just like, I hope he sucks. I hope there's no change next year. They're going to blame it on Danny Dimes being trash, but still, like, I hope he comes in, loses the locker room so I can sit there and say, you should have just hired Flores. Um well, that's it's funny you say that, Bert, because if Brian Flores was white, would he have would they have waited to all the interviews were done? You know what I mean? Like that. And that know. the problem yeah. is in that process, like the problem not only is the fact that they just kind of disregard the Rooney rule, but they didn't really follow the process at all. Because let's say all their interviewees were white. Who's yeah. to say if Brian Flores is a white guy and he was better than Dable, you know, uh, you're still doing yourself a disservice by by not even following the rules of the hiring process properly it just makes it even worse that you didn't even give brian flores a shot because you're supposed to under the rooney rule so not only are you not doing your job correctly you're not even following the rules set forth by the nfl every yeah. time something like this happens i always think about that movie a time to kill remember uh, the closing argument with <laughs> with sean uh, uh matthew mcconaughey now imagine she's white like yeah. imagine if brian flores was white uh, fired because he had a disagreement with the owner, but he, he had back-to-back -back winning seasons. White, he might he would be job. hired. He would be, there would be teams kicking down the door if a white guy had back-to-back -back winning seasons and he just had some beef with the coach or the owner because the owner wanted him to tank games. He'd be yeah. looked at as a hero. Uh, but because Brian Flores is black and he's, he's suing the NFL now and yeah. people are like, oh, just because he didn't get a job. No, it's not because he just didn't get a job. It's because he didn't even get the opportunity to interview for a job. Yeah. And, and a job that he wanted and it's it sucks a job that giants fans wanted for him and and yeah. and everybody that supports the organization it just it was left up to the wrong individuals to make that hire um and and the giants weren't the only organization in this and and john elway you doof like like what yeah. are you doing She's like yeah you're gonna come out with a statement and say like oh yeah it was a very informative three and a half hours as you sit there and sweat off your hangover you loser um, but yeah, I mean, germ to get back to it, germ said it perfectly, man, time will tell. And hopefully we see it, you know, being, being younger individuals, uh, we see it and, and, you know, you just, you hate to see stuff like this happen. JT, uh, fixing this problem for the NFL, you got anything? I've, I literally had the same thing that you guys had it written down. You can't like, you can't fix it because it's a mirror of society. It's, it's rich white guys that are making all these decisions. And the thing is, it's until until our culture improves as Americans, like this is this is going to be the same thing. And like you can't fix that. Like literally people have to people have to die. People have to progress. And you have to hope that the people that are replacing the old timers are going to be better than they were before. So my I took this question as not necessarily how can the NFL fix the problem? I took it more as how can 
black coaches fix the problem. And I think there is a way to fix it. And I want you to take out your pen too and write this down because I'm going to give you the sauce. Jeremiah, I'm pretty sure you can appreciate this. I was always taught growing up, you got to do the job twice as better as the next man. And I think what black coaches need to do, and this starts way before they get to the NFL, you got to do exactly what the black quarterback did to make the NFL respect them to the point where it's like, we don't see that anymore. If you're good, you're good. And I'm, if any black coach is listening or any black person that wants to go into coaches listening right now, I'm going to tell you this one thing. If you go into coach for college and they're hiring you because you can recruit other black stars, you need to get in the same room and learn the offense. Black coaches need to coach more on offense. So it makes it hard for them to deny us just like it made it hard for them to, to not, to not draft black quarterbacks, because guess what? They became so good. And the way they play the game is how you win. You have to take a black quarterback. We need more offensive black coaches. We got two and they're damn good coaches, but two is a, is a minor enough number to ignore. If we have, let's say, 15, then it's hard. To, it's hard to go through a coaching cycle and not hire any black coaches when 15 of those guys that are up for a new jobs are coaching offense. They've proven they can they can make uh, the quarterback a winner. They can develop the quarterback. So I'm not putting the future of us getting more jobs on NFL because that shit will never happen. We got to take matters into our own hands. One of the best things we can do is get in that coaching room and learn how to call offensive plays. And I promise you, if we do that, we got a fighting chance. Hey, Jimmy, I got a better idea. Hey, all the black players, all the black coaches, leave the NFL, go to the XFL. Start that, would be the, that would be the best thing to do. Hey. We've talked about that, but we know that. Segregation is the answer, Bert. I'm telling we you, know Bert. That <laughs> Segregate, segregation ends racism. You can't kill the race if there's no more races. <laughs> Take them all out. Just, just separate everybody. Let's see if see Christian McCaffrey and Kirk Cousins uh, lead the NFL in ratings every weekend. Let's see if that happens. <laughs> JT, you kind of stole my thunder there because I think over the years we we've talked about and I talked about, you know, extending the Rooney rule to the coordinator positions. And that's what they they ended up doing. And they've even extended it to the GM positions. And Jerm, I, I agree with you 100 percent before they can fix the NFL society needs needs to be fixed in terms of this specific question and, and trying to fix it specifically just to the NFL. I agree with you, JT, in that it's got to start with quarterbacks. If you notice, Josh McCown, Jeremy, you mentioned him. Quarterbacks, now that there have been more black quarterbacks to have played, they can hopefully be hired into the QB coach position, which then leads to the OC position that leads, because now offense sells, right? Offense is sexy, which now can lead into the head coaching position. But to why we're in this situation is even if an Eric Bieniemy's OC for many years has a high powered offense, he's still not getting the opportunity, right? Sometimes it's not just the quantity, but the quality. Why is Leftwich not getting hired? Why is Bieniemy not getting hired? Why does Jim Caldwell not get rehired? And it's exactly what, what we're saying and why Flores is, is suing the NFL and its teams. And that is the, it's not necessarily just the GMs that are hiring, but it comes from the top, right? It's the owners that eventually have the final say, regardless of what we think the power the GM has. And the thing is you need to hold those owners accountable because if you don't, Daniel Snyder, I, you know, I don't know 
any of his children, but you look at who's going to inherit the team after Daniel Snyder, right? His children, his family. And if his family runs it the way he did, and you see the mess that they're in, in terms of the ownership group and that team, it's just going to continue. So even then, if society gets fixed, this specific NFL is still not fixed. So they need to hold their owners accountable. And what I mean is, it seems like, why is it so hard in the NFL to remove an owner? Daniel Snyder, right? He's one of them. And, and there's been other instances, right? The Houston Texans had an instance with some quotes by, by their owner before he passed. They and, made quotes. And in the NBA, though, when this happened with Donald Sterling, they removed him. There was, there was no legal battle to remove him. He was gone. And it seems like they brought in a much better owner for the players, for that organization, for that city. So why is that not happening in the NFL? Because eventually, maybe a few of these players can, can lead groups. And we, we've seen Derek, you know, Derek Jeter's done it in baseball. Mario Lemieux's done it in hockey. They don't have all of the capital, but because of their name and them playing, they can create that group. And if you mm -hmm. have 70% of NFL players currently are black, eventually, if some of these ownership groups are not holding up their end of the bargain, Stephen Ross, if you're trying to tank, why is he still allowed to own the team? And it, it just can't be what Daniel Snyder did. I'll put it in my wife's name. No, like you need to sell it. If someone, even if then the NFL would need to vet all of the minority owners, meaning the, the stakeholders, not, mm -hmm. not whether, not the color of, of, of their skin, meaning minority, but minority stakeholders having less than 50%, because we just don't want those owners to now just purchase out Daniel Snyder if they still have the same mentality, right? So why is it so difficult for the NFL to get rid of these owners when they're just they're continuing this whole trend of the, the hiring practices that are illegal, according to even the NFL bylaws at this point. Well, because the NBA is different, though, because the but NBA. But JT, but no, no, I, that's I think, my, no, I think that's, that's my point. NBA, but that's, NBA is that's different. where the NFL needs yeah. to start getting to. But but the, but the reason that I feel, I feel like the reason a situation like Donald Sterling can happen in the NBA and, and it's it's harder for it to happen in the NFL is one you got to realize like the NBA is as much closer to a partnership between the owners and players than the NFL is one because there's only so many guys that can play that sport on the planet and then two their contracts are guaranteed so like when I pay you when I sign you to a 100 million dollar contract I'm locked into it no matter what you do so guess what if if we both have skin in the game, our relationship is going to be a little bit different. Whereas in the NFL, I can sign you to a hundred million dollar contract and cut you in two years. And you're only seeing about 20 percent of that. So and also to the position that gets paid the most on average is still majority played by white guys. So that's that's why that's why that dynamic doesn't exist in the in the nba and it exists in the nba it won't exist in the nfl that, that's just a partnership but why can't roger goodell step in adam because he works because, for the, he because works for the, the nba the nba is made up well first off the nfl owners make way more money it's it, it, more money than the nba owners second the nfl owners are either owned by a family or a, a single person the nba Legacies. teams are mostly owned there's a very few that are owned by a singular entity most of them are partnership groups where 
there's a board, right? The only team in the NFL that's like that is the Packers, right? They're owned by the public technically, but there's not one singular owner. There's a, there's like a, a group of nine people that kind of make the decisions for the entire team. So, so yeah, like the NFL, like it's the same process where if they wanted to vote them out, you know, I think two thirds of the owners would have to have to do that. But if they're all in a good old boys club together and they don't really have to answer to anybody, they're going to click up real fast. And that that well, doesn't happen in the NBA because, again, it's less money. So there's more people involved and you it's more political. Right. Like Dan Snyder was forced to sell the team or not sell the team, but change the name of his team because corporate and money got in the way. Not because the owners wanted him to. All the owners wanted him. Out. The owners wanted him to keep the name. But. FedEx, the name, you know, right. they, they jumped in. So it, it comes down to money. And again, the NFL is built different because it's more of a good old boys club than the NBA is. The NBA is by leaps and bounds ahead of the NFL when it comes to diversity, especially with their owners. Like the owners voted almost unanimous to get bought. Um, and get, also the right, NBA, this, is, NBA this is, is more of an international game. So but, they but have this, to be, they have to be mindful of what they do. And that's true. But this is the thing. At one point. Now, I'd have to go look exactly, but I'd imagine at one point the NBA was similar to the NFL in that good old boys club, right? Like, mm-hmm. it just, you know, it just didn't happen overnight, right? What started right. happening was players start to, you know, gain that wealth and they can put these groups together. The Broncos are on sale. The Pat Bowen family is selling the team. The answer to your question, Don, is the NBA, the players... LeBron James is is the NBA. In the NBA, it's easier for a player to be the face and run things. You You can't really do that in the NFL. There's too many players. The the NBA is reliant on singular play, right? Just simple based off of there's only five guys on the court at the time. One guy on the NBA team has more influence than the one guy on the NFL team. Absolutely. So the best NFL player is, is, is Patrick Mahomes. But as we've just watched, he doesn't influence his game in one game than LeBron does at his sport. So the, the stars are bigger in the NBA. We know who all the stars are in the NBA. You don't really know. These guys are wearing helmets. You, half the time, you don't know who these guys are. Right. <laughs> like, who's that guy? But you it's know? not it's, the fans. It's not the fans that are that are buying into well, the no, what I'm saying is groups. The Lakers have to answer to LeBron now. The NBA has to answer to LeBron because he is that franchise. The NFL will survive just fine without Patrick Mahomes if he decided to disappear off of Earth tomorrow. There will be another guy. There's not another LeBron James for the NBA. That is that is true in a sense, but I, I was talking about more of past players being able to take over some of these teams and also, and you bring up a good point where it is more difficult and there's a reason why NFL owners are not are not pushed out. And that that comes down to, I think, what Bert said, like it's it's unfortunate, but it is tough to change people's mentality. So if they all have the same mentality as Daniel Snyder, of course, they're not going to kick them out. I just think at, at the at the high level and Goodell doesn't have that power, even though he likes to think he does to be able to remove an owner. So, I mean, you guys are right. In terms of fixing it, it's got to start at the top. But you guys are right. It's it's very difficult to be able to remove the owners that should be removed, like a Stephen Ross, who's killing the integrity of the game along with other things. But mm-hmm. so you guys did shoot down my 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 uh, my problem solving. But I, I do think at the end of the day, it needs to start up top because they'll be the ones that hire the GM 
and then they can agree with the GM on who to bring in. And listen, if you're running everything above board, I think that's what everyone wants at the end of the day is it to be, you know, fair and above board. That way, the best candidate gets the job. And in this instance, it would have been Brian Flores somewhere, whether it was either at the Giants, should have been the Giants or or elsewhere. Um, last question on this. And I, and I think this is a, this is a good question. Uh, Bert. How will this lawsuit affect the hiring landscape for, for black coaches? Sadly, I don't think it will. I, I, and again, I mean, I'm, 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 I don't think I should be speaking on this uh, necessarily, uh, but I, you know, unfortunately we've had instances like this before and nothing has happened. And, you know, you saw it. Um, what shocked me is the immediate release from all these teams and individuals that had interactions with Brian Flores saying that they have done nothing wrong and saying that they have evidence to prove such as though they had it ready to go just in case. Like it, it was it was incredibly alarming to me. The Giants came out and said, I think you'll be surprised when we have a screenshot from Bill Belichick saying, hey, congrats before he was even interviewed because he was texting the wrong guy. Elway comes out today saying he wasn't or today or yesterday saying he wasn't going to speak on the matter. But since his personal character was attacked, like, John, you've got to be kidding me. You played for the NFL. Your personal character was attacked the entire time. And then you move into this GM type role and everybody can't stand you and your buck ass teeth. Uh, just looking at this guy. I'm sorry, guys. But like, oh, it, there like, we go. We, you're in the jar. officially hey, now. But like it will. I'd like to think that this would have some. Take the money. I'll I'll never see it. Uh, I'd like to think this would have some profound effect on the way they're going to hire, but it won't. (laughs) Like that's the thing, it won't. They've already had their statements teed up, saying that they've done nothing wrong. An investigation will happen. At most, some of these teams will be fined, and that's that. And then we go through it again. Uh, You know, (laughs) like that. That's my take on it. Uh, I I want to see better things, but unfortunately, I mean, history has repeated itself in this situation far too many times. Jerm, yeah. So you know, it's it's crazy. The same thing. It it really can't. Like, if anything, it's probably going to make it harder. You know, uh, until like there's like a direct resolution, and it's just odd. You know. The NFL spent millions of dollars and months and months investigating deflated footballs. But within two hours, uh, they had enough information from a lawsuit they had no idea was coming to determine that that Brian Flores was just making it up Uh, that enough. I mean, Brian Flores has a smoking gun. If the text from Bill Belichick at the very least uh, doesn't prove anything, then I don't know. Like there's nothing that anybody can do. So in terms of the question, how does it change the landscape? You know, teams will be more careful. You know, maybe they'll actually will go through all the interviews before they hire the guy they've already made up their mind they were going to hire in the first place. And then maybe out of 10 times, maybe we'll get that one moment where they may decide to hire the black guy because he they, you know, magically figure out that he's probably better qualified. I don't know. I, I honestly don't know the answer to the question other than the fact that there hopefully there's more transparency to the process or maybe teams will just be more careful at hiding it. And maybe one of us will get hired by mistake. Yeah, I just feel I actually don't feel anything's going to happen. And if if history tells us anything, like when you go after the NFL, they double down more than anything, more than change anything. They'll double down and they'll send a check to your favorite charity and then they'll call it a day and we're square. And like I do think. Nothing will change. I think it's going to be harder for black coaches to get jobs. And 
I just feel like it's sad that Brian Flores has to give up what he loves to force these owners to change. And it's like not going to even matter. So I, this is no way around it. I don't think anything is going to change. We're going to go through the same cycle next year. They're going to be more careful, like you guys said, but we may have one black coach. He'll get a shitty job and then we'll just keep going on. The NFL keep going on doing what it's been doing. Uh, since 1920, the NFL has only hired 10 black head coaches. Uh, Lovey, Marvin, Tony, Mike Tomlin, Caldwell, Anthony Lynn, Cornell, Dungy, Frazier, and our guy, Brian Flores. 10 since 1920. I want to add something to that, too. I, I was reading this earlier. Last five years, one white head coach has been hired after one interview. Three black have been hired after five. Hmm. So I don't have a problem. Again, what I said earlier, I don't have a problem with a white coach getting a job over a black coach, but the, 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 num- the disparity has to be closer for me. Like that, that's, that's a ridiculous, that's a ridiculous ratio. Uh, like like things, over uh, Dan Quinn, I, I try not to look at race with everything. Like I do try to look at everything on its merit, but there's certain numbers are hard to ignore. Like certain disparities are hard to ignore. And that's one of them. Yeah. I think, I think you guys are, are right that I, I don't know what will, how the landscape will change. I think if it's, if it, is if it has any hope of changing for the good I think at the end of the day the attorneys of Brian Flores and Brian Flores himself are going to have to be willing to go literally all 12 rounds you know taking a boxing uh, analogy all 12 rounds with the NFL because one of the ways one of the ways things can get changed is through lawsuits in the legal aspect because if they go the distance it goes to a jury and it's not just a, a Kaepernick situation where there's a settlement. If there's a settlement, the NFL is never found guilty of doing anything wrong. If there's a settlement, because that's never in the settlement agreement. But if he's willing to go the distance, take it to trial, take it to the jury, get a verdict in his favor in, in a civil verdict, then the NFL is going to pay up. They may have to, they're going to have to change things and they're not going to want to have to go through this again. So they may actually have to, in their hiring process, do things legally. And I think that may be the only, you know, the only chance right now, the way it sits that the landscape could change for the better is going and getting a verdict because with the verdict, it says that the NFL was wrong. There's no more the NFL coming out. They can still then deny it you know, till they're, they're blue in the face. But if a jury founds, finds that they were wrong, then they were wrong. I mean, court of public opinion might be one thing, but legally you were found wrong in your hiring practices, meaning something has to change. Cause if it doesn't, the next coach can file another lawsuit. And now we're talking about, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars that they're losing all the time. And that's one thing the NFL and its owners don't want to do is lose hundreds of millions of dollars every lawsuit because they keep doing the same thing wrong. So in my opinion, that may be the only way something can change right now as we see it in the immediate future is they've got to carry out this lawsuit till the end, avoid the motions to dismiss that the NFL is going to file and this and that and get it to a jury and have someone say in the law, legally, you were wrong, NFL. You need to pay up. And you need to change your practices. I read the internet wrong on that last thing I read. Disregard it. 
Well, because you did say one. 19 coaches before. Yeah, that right? was yeah. I I read an incomplete list. My bad. And I Sorry, already read what, it earlier on the show, and I forgot already. Okay. Yeah, you gave you gave us the complete list. Yeah. Can I add one more thing before we move on? Um, I kind of forgot to bring this up in, in one of the questions about this topic. I also think a small thing that also needs to happen is black coaches need to take a real, real strong look at these agents that are representing them to get these jobs because they're because I because you look at some of these, we're going to talk about some of these coaches, they got phenomenal agents because literally head coach, GM tandems, same agent, they get the job together. You need to start looking at the guy you're paying to represent you to get your name out there. He's not doing this job and you need to move on. So agents, they need to be talked about more and how they're they're amazing for getting jobs for one side, but it doesn't seem to be working for the other side. You you do always mention the the agent angle, it's a serious which is thing. which which is a which is an interesting point that you do bring up. Um, well, speaking of coaches. Uh, Germ and Bert, we're going to get go into a segment that we call Love It Like It, Trash It, and it's going to deal with the head coaching hires. Um, so let's first start with the tandem for the Bears, Ryan Poles as GM and Matt Eberflus as head coach. Uh, Germ, let me Hit start with the pronunciation. I'm proud of you, man. You like that? Had the practice yeah, yeah, for the show. Yeah. Hooked on phonics, definitely. <laughs> See what I got to deal with, guys? That's like, insane. So, Jerm, starting with you, that tandem, or you could take it separate, the GM and the head coach hired by the Bears. Love so, it, love it, like it, trash it, and then you can explain it if you want, but for polls and as well as Eberflus, love it, like it, trash it. So I'm going to – I'll stay true to how it's, how it's framed and do it as a tandem. And so I think the Eberflus I would trash and the polls I would love. So as a tandem, I'm going to like it. Uh, I think Ryan Poles is going to do a really good job. I, I love the hire. Matt Eberflus, who? You know what I mean? It's like we just talked about Brian Flores not getting a job and a guy named Matt Eberflus from wherever the hell he was from, Colts, Indianapolis. Colts, who? Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. He had, he had paper knees Carson Wentz. Like, I, I'm sorry. Enough. Enough of that. I, I don't know. But I think Ryan Poles is going to do a really good job in, in that position. I think that 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 city uh, he'll do fine there so I'll, I'll like it as a tandem i think uh uh i mean it's not like they're gonna fix anything overnight so i guess we'll see okay bert yeah i'm, I'm kind of with germ on this one um i'll go ahead and like it a lot of the reasons he said too um plus i mean i mean not related to his skill set but eberflus like come on what kind of a football name is that it sounds eberflus. like they should be like doing like nordic speed skating like they, oh, that's just this man's yeah. name it sounds like seven and nine. That's what it sounds like. Or seven and ten now. That's seven and ten. Like. Yeah. J, uh, JT? I got to agree with him. And I actually did the same thing. Like, I actually love the Ryan Poles hire just from, like, how he's already approached the job. Like, he's not taking any prisoners. He's always call- he's already called out the old line. That's that's what he is. He is a former old lineman. And I just he just seems like he's a good fit for that city. Like, I, I like his demeanor. Now, Eberflus, I hope I said his name wrong, because if, if not, I don't give a damn. I hate it because he got a he got the job and he was a DC for the Colts and they couldn't stop the Jaguars from scoring and they missed the playoffs. So I don't understand how that's supposed to make me feel excited about him being a head coach now. You know, I, I originally had polls as love it, 
until he made the Eberflus higher and I scaled it back to like it. Because <laughs> did he I, did he though? Because I I was you know we you never know, know. the agent had a lot to do it, with that. Like it was a package deal. It's fair fair enough, but you know at the end of the day he's got the title right now of GM. I guess if they share the same agent, but then that's still on him though. But I loved it. I scale it back to like it because the more I, I I read about him, I loved it. Like 36-year-olds coming from the Chiefs, you know, he knows how to win. He built the mm-hmm. core of that team, that team through the draft, which you hope that he can do for the Bears and build off of the Justin Fields draft. But then he hires Eberflus, or at least in theory, he was the one that did it. And so I trashed the Eberflus uh, hire because, like, what made him attractive to begin with? I didn't even know who he was. (laughs) I guess mystery is attractive, I guess. But um, so we spoke a lot about the Giants and Brian Dable. So that's that's the next on the list. Love it like it, trash it, Bert. Um I wasn't thrilled. I mean, for me personally, I was I I think watching the uh, the Bills closely, thanks to Germ too, and, and obviously that what they've been doing. You know, I, I don't want to trash it, but I also don't want to love it, too, because my guy was was Flores from the get go. So when they made this hire, I was I had to scratch my head a little bit, you know, like the fact that he's coming from, you know, uh, a high powered offense and as an offensive coordinator, too. But his weapons were different in Buffalo, way different in Buffalo. So I'm trying to weather my expectations to come into this like little rascals group that we have here in New York to see if he can do anything with them. Um, and we'll see what happens, but um, I'm just going to go ahead and like it because I'm, I'm just indifferent about this whole thing. Trash it. Fuck Brian Dable. I'll put up cash <laughs> app you later. Uh, Doug Peterson just got hired for the Jags job. Doug Peterson, ladies Dude, and gentlemen, got a job before, you know, Brian Flores. But anyway, that has a lot to do with Trent Baalke, though. Gotcha. Yeah. That, well, yeah, I, sure. I heard left, which I heard left, which withdrew his name because he didn't want to deal with Trent Balky. And he actually recommended Adrian Wilson as the GM. And obviously he knew that wasn't going to happen. So left, which um, withdrew basically his name, from which is smart left, which is going to take over the uh, Buccaneers in a couple yep. of years. When so I've been telling JT, why go anywhere? Unfortunately, Tom Brady is leaving, but like, why go anywhere? Arians is not going to coach forever. They love you yeah. already in Tampa, or at least we think they do. But mm-hmm. we'll, we'll see. I'm sure Tampa might mess. That's that why the enemy shouldn't leave Kansas City either. Just take over Patrick Mahomes. Just yeah. be happy where you're at. Mm-hmm. JT on the Dable hire. To be honest with you, I know we I know we talk about Brian Flores, but if if I were a team and I had that I didn't get Brian Flores, like this is the coach, the one other coach in the the cycle that I'm excited about. Like I I like Dable a lot, actually. But here's the thing. I can't love it because he didn't get Ken Dorsey to come with him to be his OC. He stayed above. That's a major thing because a lot of people want Dorsey, including Miami Hurricanes, which I'm pissed off we didn't get him as OC. But the fact that he's not bringing Dorsey with him, I can only like it. But it's really close because say what you want, like the development of Josh Allen just puts him at the top of my list. Like Josh Allen from year one to year three, like insane, insane uh, progression to his game. So he gets his hands on DJ or whoever they draft next at quarterback. Like you have to be as excited as possible about this hire, but would have loved it if they brought Dorsey with him. Look how JT does that guys. Earlier in the show, he was dogging Daniel Jones. Now, Dave will go like, oh, DJ, oh, I'm not he's got a chance Daniel now. Jones, he's got a chance I'm now. I'm excited about I'm Dave. Excited. Like, 
did you watch Josh Allen year one? Like, that's look at him now. Like, if if you're telling me you got the guy who's been in there with him, and this is a possibility that can happen, like, damn, I'm I'm excited. Like, Dorse energy, do dog. Too, Come on, I'd be excited. But Daniel Jones is part of the is part of the equation now for only so, so long. You're excited about Daniel Jones, so I originally had it as as loved it, but then with everything that happened. I scaled it down to trash it, and I'll and I'll tell you why. <laughs> I just there there's come on, come on, before you, before you explain that, are you saying are you are you gonna say what he said? Because I will if if you say that what he said about Dayball, I'll pay for everybody's fines. Go ahead, I just want to hear you say it. Oh no no, I don't say that. I don't <laughs> say that. <laughs> I have yet to contribute to the potty mouth jar. I'm a you, you gonna crack one day. I'm 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 been working on that. So everything that happened. It's just a bad vibe now. Like this is sorry, Bert. Like this is just something that the Giants can't get out of like their own way. And it's just a bad vibe. And there's now a lot of pressure on Dable. Like usually he'd be able head coach comes in, you have a honeymoon period. I tell you what, if they go to an 0-6 start, knowing the way the New York media is and the in the New York fans are, they're gonna be like, we should have hired floors. Like, what were we thinking? In that pressure. Now, I just don't like that hire. And this is the other thing. The Giants tried this before. Now, granted, Flores would have been a New England guy, but he has a proven track record as a head coach. They did it with Joe Judge. That failed New England guy. Dable, at the end of the day, I don't care what anyone says, he is a Belichick, basically a descendant of Belichick. He falls under Belichick's tree with Saban and Bama. But he was tight ends coach for like four years in New England. He is a Belichick guy. They rarely work out. And they already went through with Joe Judge. And it's going to happen again. That is why I I trash it now. The Broncos, Nathaniel Hackett, Germ, start with you. Love it, like it, trash it. Uh, I love it. He took Blake Bortles to the AFC title game. So even if the Broncos don't get Aaron Rodgers and Nathaniel Hackett is 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 good good money. He might he might fix Teddy Bridgewater or Drew Locke, but we'll see. Bert, see, I was gonna trash it. Like I don't I don't understand. I mean, you're taking. I mean, and granted, there's a lot of room for build in Denver with the cap space, and I mean, we're taking a guy that that, that arguably couldn't. I don't want to say couldn't do much with Aaron Rodgers, but you can't take that offense to a Super Bowl. Uh, I mean, you've you've absolutely got to be kidding me. So I'm I'm gonna mm-hmm. go to trash it. JT, that, that's a tough crowd, man. That's on twelve too, man. I mean, the coach got him home field advantage. Which more you you want him to go out there and throw the passes? Mm. I, I want to say this. I actually wanted to love it for the same reasons that Germ said because, like, the Jacksonville thing, like that's that's almost up there with what Dayball did with Josh Allen. But here's the thing: I can only like it, but it's it's contingent on if they get Aaron Rodgers because I feel like that's the reason the Broncos made this hire was because he's going to be the one to lure Rodgers out of Green Bay. And I can only like it if Rodgers comes there. I I, I agree with you, uh, Bert. I, I trash it. Just, I don't, I don't like it. I just, there, there's no explanation behind it. You also just, liked Vic Fangio too. So I don't, it actually has nothing to do with Vic Fangio, even though I thought hey, he they did, had a top five defense. I thought he did a good job with without a real offense for most of the year. And it's just something about the Nathaniel Hackett just have it. I mean, he's coming from Green Bay, right? Did he just have it too easy? Like how much is it football knowledge, his schemes? And then do the players respect him? I mean, 
Like, I, I don't know. That, that at the end of the day, I think that's why Tomlin's a great coach. I think that's why Flores could win in Miami. And that is why you see guys like Shanahan, McVay, like they control the room. Like they, when they walk in the room, like they own that room. And I just don't know if Nathaniel Hackett has that. I, like, I could be completely wrong. Could be completely wrong. I just don't know how you go from dealing with Aaron Rodgers to now leading this whole group of, of men. And they're it's kind of a young team. Like, I, I just don't know how it's going to work out. I just have a gut feeling trash it. So I went with that. Finally, the Raiders, Josh McDaniels, uh, Burt, I'll, I'll start with you this time. Yeah, I mean, uh, I honestly, I love it. I do. I mean, I, this is another Belichick guy, but we're talking a Belichick guy that has been there through and through. He has had head coaching gigs before, not the best record in itself. Uh, but I, I think with the potential that's there in Vegas, this could be a serious, um, serious hire for them. Sure. I love it. I love it for two main reasons. One, it signifies the start of the end of the Belichick regime in the NFL. Uh, cause I believe Josh McDaniels is responsible for a large part of that. Um, Josh McDaniels quote when he got hired was I failed in Denver because I didn't know how to work with people. Uh, I think he's learned that lesson. Obviously he has a great football mind. Um, and now he's going to go, I mean, he had Tim Tebow and he was able to, he was able with all of his deficiencies to win a playoff game with Tim Tebow as his quarterback. And now he's going to have Derek Carr. So I think he'll be fine. I love it. I love it for for the Raiders, and and I and I love it because it's probably going to be the end once and for all for the New England Patriots. JT, man, trash this. Throw it out there. And Jeremy, you brought up a very good quote. I saw that same quote, but you didn't read the whole quote. He also said, "I failed as I failed in Denver because I got caught cheating." So he is like. We've been down this Yeah, yeah, but that doesn't fit my narrative. Of course I'm not going to read that part. <laughs> yeah, you got to read the whole quote, man. The, hey. the, public wants, the public wants the full full scope of the conversation. But no, like we've been down this road before. Like He only had success in Denver because he cheated. When, he, when they got caught cheating, they did not do well. But also, too, I feel like you brought up a good point. Like He, he didn't know how to work with people. I don't think that's changed. Like I think because he is a Belichick disciple, he is probably one of the the more like highly thought of, thought of disciples in NFL circles, it comes with a little bit of arrogance. And I feel like he has not convinced me he knows how to work with people. And you saw it in Denver. And also, I think he feels entitled. You saw it when he turned down the coaching job at the last minute and, you know, went back on his deal. So I just don't think he's a guy for Denver. I mean, I mean, for uh, for the Raiders. When they respond to Guys are leaders of men and are accountable, which is why they love Basaccia. Like, this is complete opposite of that. And I think it's going to blow up in their face. Were you the same guy you were in 2009? I mean, uh, I, mean I, put, I put a, little, a few pounds. Her, you should have seen JT in 09. <laughs> I yeah, mean, you should, you should so, see them. I mean, but that's my I mean, point. I mean, like, I mean, oh, I'm, I mean, no, I was mean then. I'm mean now. Yeah. <laughs> I still, I still rag on him. I'm not, I'm not the same. I'm not the same guy I was in 2009. So I think I would give I Josh it. McDaniels a little bit of a benefit of the doubt. I mean, he's had, uh, he's had a lot of years. What almost over oh, 11 years? You know, whatever it is, 12 years, whatever it is. Uh, I'm thing. not going I would agree with your argument and you do make a great point. That's, that's absolutely true. Obviously, you know, everyone grows, but when did he, how long has it been since he, he went back on that deal when he, this, when he agreed to be the head coach was that 09? 
No, I mean, it was later, but it, at least he did it before he took the job. Like, you know, I, I'm, I understand cold feet and I'm being coaching the Colts. Obviously it didn't work out well for them. So it wasn't like, you know, at that point you still had, you still had um, Tom Brady in new England, right? Like maybe, maybe there was something going on uh, in that Colt situation at the last minute that he wasn't feeling uh, the fact that he was able to back out of the deal to me, instead of just taking it and not really being in it uh, shows growth to me. I think he, you know, uh, I think, he was ready. He thought he was ready. And then once he got to the situation, uh, depending on who he was talking to, maybe he decided to change his mind. Man, Darren Waller will be pulling a Brandon Marshall by, by the first preseason game. Oh, my Lord. Well, yeah, I, they got to keep their players out of jail. That too. I, I, I like the hire. Don't love it. Not going to trash it. I like it in, in germ. I think I, I agree with you. Like second chance, several years apart. You know, you would think he would have learned. And I think having Derek Carr helps. And for the Raiders, I like that hire because it was the Rams, not the Colts, that he backed out of, by the way. Big Daniels. Big Daniels. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't the Colts hire? I thought it was the Colts. Yeah. It, it was the Colts. It was yeah, the Colts. I, On January eighteenth, I was, 18th, I was two, pissed off about it. Uh it says in January. Oh no, it was. Okay. There, apparently he's done this again. Uh he well, this was in 2011. He agreed to be the offensive coordinator for the Rams oh, under right. Steve Spagnola, and, and, and he went. backed out of that. But right. you know what? You're right. You're right. Stripes can change. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm gonna disregard history, and I'm gonna give the man a fair chance to show me that he's not gonna continue this type of behavior. You're right. Yeah. All right. So, a couple of things to end the show. Have some fun here. Tom Brady, the big news, retiring. Um, some people say he is the GOAT, not just of football, but of all sports. We'll see if you guys agree with that in a, in a minute. And just to kind of add to that, because we'll get to it this past weekend, Rafael Nadal won his 21st career Grand Slam, breaking the all-time men's record. So mm-hmm. keep that in mind, too. Beast. Like, we, we, we've got a couple GOATs there that did some things this weekend. So first, Germ. What is the best Tom Brady moment of all time? I know this isn't easy for some of us because, you know, we're not New England fans, but JT wanted to ask it. So I'm just asking it. Go ahead, Jer. <laughs> uh, probably the other day when he retired and got out of my life for the, forever. I'm, I'm so happy. I'm so happy that he's finally called it quits. Um, I'll be honest with you. It's I, I started liking him when he got away from New England. I, and, and a lot of that had to do with him personality wise uh going out and and befriending antonio brown going out and lowering his salary so mike evans and all these other guys can keep their money and just i don't know if i have one tom brady favorite moment you know he's he's um you know the 28 to 3 comeback the at the super bowl against the falcons comes to mind just all of those visuals of him sitting on the on the sideline throwing tablets pissed off cursing out his teammates i mean that that's him like it it's not just one singular moment that i remember from tom brady i like it's hard it's hard to do that it's like everything he was he was just a different cat man it was just he just all the all those wins and all the time that he you know uh, i liked watching a lot of the um the documentary about like the behind the scenes what goes into what he does seeing that just made me look at him and appreciate him in a whole new light mm-hmm. burt yeah, I mean, kind of the same. The, the first thing that comes to mind is the 28-3, um, the comeback. But, I mean, honestly, it's just all-encompassing. I, I will agree with Jerm is, um, 
I did like him more once he left New England. I <laughs> think just because I mean, I there was a good majority of us that were just like, oh, please fail, like please go somewhere else mm-hmm. and fail. And and sure enough, he doesn't. Um, but what he did for the other players around him and what they have said, like that he's done for them too, I think is is really just good character on him in in being that veteran football guy giving back to the younger guys and then making sure everybody's taken care of, which I think was, was awesome. JT. Yeah. All, all great points. Um, I took this question as like, what was the best moment of for him all time, like in his career. So I just go with January 19th, 2002, because without that, there might not be, we might you not see, even bro. have this conversation. You stole mine. You stole mine. How dare but, you. But, but I will say this for me personally, like my, I'm a Dolphins fan, so there's not many of these. So my Tom Brady moment that I probably enjoyed the most was, I don't know who they were playing, but they were they were down, and uh, Josh McDaniel was on the sideline basically cussing at him, telling him to do something better. And he's like, like you know, I fucking know. Like, <laughs> like, I had never seen Brady like that before. And, like, you know, to see him in that way, like, you know, he he's fiery. He got into it with his coach, and it's like, that was cool to see like him be human and not like this, like, you know, corporate robot, like for most of his time in new England. So when I saw that, I was like, Oh man, he's human under there. Like he's actually probably funny behind the scenes. Add to the jar, JT. It's another swear word. Guess hey, come look, on, man, I'm, I'm waiting on you to repeat what he said. So I can just cash up you the whole fun for the show. Nah, nah. Um, I think it was the tuck rule. I mean, that's, that's yeah. like, I don't have a favorite moment, but that's his best moment. Cause I think you're right, JT. That set off like 20 years of, all of this making all NFL fans miserable. Exactly. Uh, I mean, it's, it's every, like he has more Super Bowls. Like how can you pick one moment? He has more Super Bowls than every other franchise. Uh, There was one stat that I heard the other day that I thought was interesting. He's now beaten all 32 NFL teams and his 32nd team was the Patriots. Uh, Just a little poetic irony. It's just funny. Like, you know, obviously it had to be the Patriots last because he spent all that time with them, but it's just, it's just fun. It's just like a fun thing. Like he's beaten all the teams. He has more Super Bowls than any other franchise. It's just like how, yeah, it, everything. His whole career is a great moment. You'll never see it again. Never. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Well, so with that, Germ, I'll lead off with, with you. Are you mm-hmm. so the question is, will you, will we ever see another Brady in the NFL no. ever again? You're saying no? No, no. Not in terms of, not in terms of winning. There's too much turnover. They don't do it the way they do it anymore. Like Brady just came at an apex of time in sports where that could be done. Like we're never going to see a 22 year uh, quarterback career at that level anymore. You may see like Patrick Mahomes right now has the greatest four year stretch of any quarterback I probably have ever seen. He can't do that for 20 years. You're not, you're not going to do that. Bert. No. You won't see another Brady. He's one of a kind. And I think it's the tandem with, with him and Belichick too, but knowing that he can do it without, as he proved last year, but he's one of those athletes. There's there's, I'd like to say there's one in every sport, but like that, you know, there'll never be another Jordan of all time. There'll be another Gretzky. And you'll have these, these players that come out and they, they get close to, and they'll always be compared to, but they'll never be them. Never. JT. Uh, you hit it right on the head. I mean, obviously my answer is no, but yeah, there's never going to be a combination of possibly the greatest coach of all time with the greatest quarterback of all time. Like that pairing is so rare. It would never happen again. And then also one other thing that's never going to happen again. And Jeremy, you brought up a good point about how like Brady came in at a good time and NFL is different. 
Also, there's not going to be a quarterback to play that long that's going to play in a division that is that weak for a generation. Like, mm. that's never going to happen again where all three teams are just that bad consistently and you're just beating up on them eight times also, a year. Also, not being a super athlete, being a sixth-round draft pick. Like, yeah. uh, like just Tom Brady is just so unique. You know what I mean? Like, it can't be, it can't be duplicated in the way he did it. Yeah. 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 I mean, never say never, but if I had to bet, I would say no. He, I think Jerm mentioned it. He took less money. Like how often are we going to see that from a QB? The Belichick combo is a huge thing. And then just staying injury free. I mean, yeah. you know, some of these quarterbacks are great, but can they stay that healthy for 22 years? Well, they move too much now. So he's, he's only had and he, yeah, that, and he's only had the one major injury, ACL, right? That was right. the, you know, they the changed ACL. the rule because of that. <laughs> they changed And then, uh, then obviously he got suspended those few games for deflate gate. So right. it was, you know, yep. yeah. So, Other than that, he's been there the whole time. Yep. So speaking of goats, what is Bert? We'll, we'll start with you. What is your goat Mount Rushmore all time of all athletes? So you combination of sports, like, Who's your four that are going on there as basically the goats of the goats, the top four goats of the goats? Yeah, I mean, uh, we did this the other night on our show, and I'll stick with mine. I mean, I'm going to go with Jordan, Gretzky, Brady, and Tiger Woods. Jerm? Yeah, so I, I listened back to our show. I realized I gave five <laughs> instead of four. You can get, so it, you it, can was get really, it corrected now. Yeah, I'll get it corrected now. So I, I did, and, and, and I whittled it down. I did Jordan. Gretzky, Serena Williams, Tiger Woods. I like it. J JT. This was so hard for me because if we're talking about athletes, like you have to put like athleticism into it. So Tom Brady did not make my athlete, my goat Mount Rushmore. Like, I don't think he's a great athlete. I think he's a great player and a great winner. So based on, you know, athleticism and actual accomplishments, uh, I had Serena MJ, Simone Biles, and Babe Ruth, just for the fact that he could do both hit and pitch. Burt, kill him. Kill him, Burt. Kill him for putting a baseball player that in. How are you going to put Babe Ruth in there? there? Yeah. How are you going to put Babe Ruth? He didn't even play back against black people. <laughs> Come yeah. on. Babe Ruth, overrated. <laughs> yeah. you, you want me to throw Brady in there as my alternate? He's my alternate yeah, starter. Go ahead. I'd rather yeah, you, yeah, I'd, yeah, I'd, yeah, I'd respect yeah. you a little bit more if yeah. you threw Brady in there. All time. You won't throw Brady in there because you don't think he's an athlete, but you're going to put a guy in there that not only wouldn't play against, uh, well, he did, well, he did it. He did it. He did it on both both sides, though. Yeah, you know he was, like, I he, mean, I don't know. He can lead the league in home runs and then go go like shut out somebody. Like that's rare in baseball. Like they were throwing. Like, the only, but I, I get. They I were get throwing that. a different like 60 game. Miles yeah. per hour. Bro. I yeah. get that. I also, get this that. this fat ass was crushing hot dogs and smoking and shit in the dugout. Like he, legend. He wouldn't even make. He wouldn't even make a triple H today. You can use that argument for anybody level of competition. You can say the same thing about Jim Brown. He was running over 180 pound linebackers that couldn't catch him. So, Will Chamberlain was playing against a bunch of plumbers like me and Bert height. So Angie's list. There we go. I've got Tom Brady. I hate putting him up there, but I've got Tom Brady, Serena. I'm going to put a soccer guy because part of being on that Mount Rushmore is you are so much better that there's not even a debate of who the greatest. Don't you do it. Is. Don't you do it, Don. Do it. You... Pelé. It's Pelé. Pelé. Oh, okay. Never mind. Okay. Pelé. You thought I was going to go messy. You've done this before. I did. I did. I really did. Nah, nah, messy. Messy can't even hang with Pelé. So Tom Brady, Serena, Pelé. And then I know this is, this is going to kill me, but I know you guys are going to kill me, but. I've got LeBron. 
I mean, oh my God. All right. I don't End care. The what, show. End like, the show. I don't care what, what anyone says. He's, I don't, hey, that's, that's I don't care point. what anyone says. You know, it is it about titles, of course, but if that's the only thing separating him and Jordan, well, you know what? I'm it's still, not. It's I'm not. Still it's not. LeBron. LeBron's not even a top five player of all time for oh, me. He's barely. Germ. He's barely in the top ten. Germ. I could argue. There's mad players all time. It's too late in the show for us to get into it, but we'll, we'll we're gonna do this on stuff about sports. Okay. okay. And I can't believe you said that. I'm writing this down. I can't I'll see be, you again. Wait, you're gonna disrespect Will and LeBron on the same show? Come Y'all on. gonna have a whole series about Stafford, LeBron, Come and Will. I can see this happening. A wow. series where you just wow. dissing yeah. athletes. That's insane. I'll save that. I'll save my backup. For your for the show then for for yeah, your show please do please do I'll, I'll bring the ammo don't worry I'll I'll bring Thank the you. ammo all right um then real quick who's the greatest team player of all time Germ oh this was hard because it's to me like there there's so many ways you can take that so for me the greatest team player means the person who made the biggest sacrifices for their team. And I have to go with Robert Ori. He came in and knew his role and hit big shots. And he has seven rings because of it. Big shot. He didn't come in. Big shot, Bob. And so he came in to any team, any franchise and knew what his job was and didn't try to overstep, didn't try to, he, and he was brought, it was like a kicker. Your job is to kick, right? So don't be missing any kicks. Robert Ory didn't miss the big shots. He knew why he was there. He wasn't there to average 20 points a game. He wasn't there to do anything else. He wasn't in there to get in the way. He was there to be in the corner and wait for the shot, and he did it. So to me, uh, he was to me, he's the greatest teammate. Bert. Yeah, this was tough for me because yeah, I mean, you think team player, you think someone who who makes those sacrifices, but also, I mean, is, is understands his role in the, in the betterment for the team, and that includes assists too. So it's, I mean, from I thought immediately, I mean, two two sports would you have huge assists is hockey and um, and basketball. Um, hockey is Wayne Gretzky, so I mean, he's already started the goat at everything else. But I mean, you got to look at at NBA and who I mean, who's that? Scottie Pippen, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, I'd, I'd honestly, I'd probably go Scotty on this one, um, you know, and, and he knew his role on that team specifically with that cast. So uh, that's what I'm going with. Bert, real quick, if I may, I know you brought up Goreski a couple of times, Gretzky mm-hmm. a couple of times, you know, a lot of people in Pittsburgh would disagree with you. There's an argument yeah. to be made. But no, we'll not. say well, yes, there is. But we'll, we'll say we'll <laughs> oh, say that. I can't too. wait for this Gretzky, show, buddy. I talk, can't wait. You talk okay. about. I mean, Gretzky played at a time where you couldn't even sneeze on a player without yeah. two minutes in the box, and there there was no yeah. clutching and grabbing. But anyway, we'll wait, well, I'm sorry. Wait, wait. You said that Gretzky played at a time where you couldn't sneeze on a player yeah, without go, throwing him the box. Back, but go we're gonna but we're gonna reference Sid the kid who would whine, bitch, and complain I, no, no, so no, no, other no, players see, be put see, in. There we go. There we go. Cash out. Love it. Bert, you what one Sidney gets Crosby gets no calls. He's I mean, he gets concussed, and there's not even a two-minute penalty, and it was a cheap shot. But I digress. You, oh no! Wait, wait, guys! Newsflash: Man gets hit playing hockey. Bert, oh Bert, no! The horror. Bert, we. I know you know sports way better than that. Guys go across <laughs> the middle of the NFL, know they're gonna get laid out and still get concussed. That's not the way it works. Just because it's. I love how he points out sport. that you can't sneeze on players and that he the players should get a pass. 
but he has LeBron James, who plays in the <laughs> softest era in the NBA, on his but Mount see, Rushmore. I, I, I feel like I got to save my arguments for LeBron. There's I can't 10 minutes of no LeBron argue. flopping on YouTube. So, so, Bert, it's not Crosby. It's Lemieux. Come on. See, that's, that's the argument to be made that Pittsburgh mm. fans would bring up. Uh, JT, greatest team player of all time. I just need to say that. This is too funny. So it's funny that I feel like I butchered the question and I came up with it. So I'm going to give two answers. I took it as like the greatest player in a team sport. And to me, that's Brady because he made every player on his team better, like no matter who sure. was on the team. But to answer it the way you guys were saying, I thought it was very interesting. I didn't think about it that way. Like who was the best player at playing their role? I'm going to go with Dennis Rodman because I feel like mm. nobody enjoyed doing their one specific role better than him. Like he just wanted to rebound and nothing else. And he was like the best ever to do it. I interpreted the way you did JT. Um, there's always different ways to interpret certain questions. I, and I've got Brady. I think you said it right. Like he knew his role was to lead these guys. He never said a bad word about, you know, a teammate, which other quarterbacks have thrown their guys under the bus. He wins hardest working guy. He made Julian Edelman in the conversation of the hall of fame and guys wanted to go play in new England for him, not for Bill Belichick, but for him. And they were willing to put up with Belichick. I think, um, you know, that that's a great teammate and a great team player. Um, Cause he still put the team first, even though he's one of the best of all time. You guys have time for some quick Super Bowl. We do trivia time at the end of our shows. Do you have time for a couple? I know it's late, so we apologize. A couple Super Bowl trivia questions to get you ready for next weekend. I don't mind being wrong. Uh, the last thing I'll say to answer your question about the greatest teammate, if we're if I'm doing it based on what you guys were doing it, then the answer is either going to be Bill Russell or Magic Johnson because they were the only two players that won multiple championships playing all five positions to me if that's if if the criteria uh and and i'd probably lean more towards bill russell because he has what 13 of them things or 11 of them, whatever they got whole you know bag. something <laughs> a whole bag of them and he did it single-handedly playing all five positions whatever his team needed him to do he did it so if i was answering the question the way you guys were doing it because i didn't think of it like that way it's definitely bill russell hey germ have you guys watched any of the uh man in the arena on Tom Brady? I did. I watched the first two. Okay. So you, you missed the part yet. It's still not, I think it's like in episode four or five or whatever. And uh, when they lose one of the giant Super Bowls, Giselle's answer to you, Germ, would be Tom Brady can't throw and catch the ball. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that's what her answer would be to you on that. You guys have time for trivia time real quick? Yeah, yeah go for it. All right. And just whoever just shout it out. If you think you know it. So I put my money on bird and germ. Sorry, JT. I've seen you do this you one, know I don't like one too many part. times. <laughs> like, that's right. why you don't put it in the agenda because you know I'm going to erase it. So whatever. Right. So <laughs> see how fast my typing skills are. How much does the Lombardi trophy weigh? Oh, shit. I've, I feel like it's light. I feel like it's I feel like it's like seven pounds. Woo, germ. Got it right off the nice. bat. Seven Woo. pounds. That yeah, is how correct. many words per minute did you just type? I don't know. <laughs> I, for some reason, that number, like, it, uh, I remember hearing that somewhere. Like, uh, I don't know why that number. Trust me, I guess. Man, they, just, the way they hold that makes it seem way heavier than yeah, seven pounds. Like They're all like, pounds, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what famous jeweler makes the Lombardi trophy every year? Oh, shit. Uh, Jacob. 
I'm going to say Tiffany's because that's the only one I know. Jer, two for two. My goodness. <laughs> All right. Yeah, see, I, I've been involved in this situation like this before. This was cheated. Are y'all? I swear to you. I no swear. joke this time. No joke. No joke. I've done that before with our guest, one guest, but but not this time. Uh, um, like a fool. All right. Let's see how good. Let's see if you can go three for three, but anyone can, can chime in. What city hosted the coldest Super Bowl ever? Um, was it Green Bay? I think it's Dallas, right? Do they have a snowstorm? New York, New Jersey? No, that was it does not that include was. indoor games. Okay. Germ, you go in New York, New Jersey? I'm uh, New York it's actually incorrect. Yeah. I'm and I, I, I can't remember. It has to be a it has to be a Super Bowl that was like back like, yeah, like, like one. That is that is a hint. It was within yeah. the first 10 Super Bowls. Oh uh, then it's gotta be like uh like uh it's somewhat it's of a kid. trick question, though. Oh, no. So it's in a city that doesn't have a stadium anymore? Germ- Bert's getting closer. Or it was a city that had an outdoor stadium but now has an indoor stadium. There you oh. go. The Minnesota? That's, that's the hint. Minneapolis? Ooh, that's a good one, but nah. I was about to say Minnesota had that. Had, no, that, the Coliseum's in L.A. All right, my final guess, I'm going to go with Indianapolis. No. Bert, you gonna take a stab or no? You gonna you gonna get the clock, the count? No, nah, I'm getting the clock Standing on this one. count. It's New Orleans at Tulane Stadium. Super wow. Bowl. What? Yes, Super Bowl nine. I would have never thought that. Steelers. Vikings. It's hot as hell down in Louisiana. I, really? I would have never thought that. <laughs> All right, this I is was easy. stationed there. <laughs> this is the easy one. What was the first wild card team to win the Super Bowl? Oh, maybe, maybe not. So I'll easy. say the Giants just because I have no idea. Sorry, Bert, not your job. Uh, wasn't it the first wild card team to win the Super Bowl? It wasn't the Seahawks, was it? Nope. No. Was it uh, the Steelers? <laughs> nope. All right, the Rams. That's it. That's my final guess. I thought you were going to say Raiders, the Oakland Raiders. The Oakland Raiders the did Oakland it. Raiders. Oh, damn it. That was the, the one and only John Gruden. That's what got him, got him the 10-year uh, contract because he won the Super Bowl <laughs> once upon a time. No, it was – um. It was uh, Tom Flores. Tom Flores, back in, okay. Back in the 80s. Oh, yeah, shout out to Tom Flores. Yeah, Back, oh, back in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Who was the first left-handed quarterback to get a Super Bowl ring? Where's the lefty? Kurt Warner's not a lefty, is he? Um, no, him is, I don't know, is Johnny Unitas lefty? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> you always sneak something about Unitas into one of these things, so I'm, I'm trying to catch a pattern. West, Western Pennsylvania. I'll give you five seconds. Four, three, two, one. Ken Stabler of the Ah, oh, the snake. In the 70s, Damn. In the 70s. All right, two more questions. What player he, – sorry, go ahead, Jeremy. No, I was going to say Ken Stabler – if Bert was talking about um, Babe Ruth, like eating hot dogs. Ken Stabler was <laughs> popping mollies and smoking cigarettes during <laughs> the, <laughs> halftime. During the, during halftime. <laughs> what player holds the record for most career rushing yards in Super Bowl games? It's got to be a player. I, I want to say Emmett Smith because they played in a bunch of Super Bowls. You would think you're on the right path with with who with how you get there but it's actually not emmett smith yeah it's like terrell davis or something no nah, fuck no 
He didn't play in enough games. Was it Jerome yeah. Bettis? Nope. He only played in one Super Bowl. Is it um Bird and Germ? Combine your answers now. Combine your answers. Who did you say? Who did you say? Uh he said Bettis. Mm-hmm. You said Jerome Bettis, and I said, who did I say? Well, you said, said Evan Smith, Smith. But you said multiple Super Bowls. Hmm. Marcus Allen? No. Franco Harris of the Steelers. Uh, All right. Last one. It involves the two quarterbacks in this Super Bowl. Stafford and Burrow are both first overall picks. Look at that, Jerm Stafford. Got talent. First round. Oh, overall. yeah. I'm 12 years too late. Only second. This is only the second time in Super Bowl history to have starting QBs face each other in the Super Bowl that were number one overall picks. So this is the second one. What was the first pairing? Oh, my God. Either way, Germ is going to be the winner of trivia time. I'm trying to think. uh, Two number one overall picks that faced each other. See, this is hard because are you talking about quarterbacks? Are you talking about quarterbacks? Oh, first overall picks. Yep. QBs. You guys need a hint? Yeah, please. It, I'll say it's recently. Like it's recent in the la- within the past 10 years for sure. Oh. In the last 10 years. Oh, it's uh it's Peyton Manning versus Cam Newton. There you go. Super Bowl 50, Peyton Manning and Cam Newton. Forget hey, about team, old you Peyton. avoided you avoided the shutout, but Germ's the winner. Good job, Germ. Yeah. Tiffany's for the win. Bert, that's what you get for saying Wayne Goreski twice on this show. <laughs> you got the shutout oh. in trivia time. <laughs> oh, don't worry. I'll, I'll happily combat even your Mario Lemieux argument. Oh, love it. Love it. Yeah. We can put it on with the Stafford and the LeBron James argument mm. that Germ that Germ wants to have. Well, fellas, I know it's late. Thank you very much. It was a great episode, a ton of fun. Hope you enjoyed it. And one more time for the uh, listeners out there, go ahead and plug your show. Yeah, so we are Bert and Germ from the Stuff About Sports uh, podcast. We are presented by the Give Us a Shot Network all day, every day. You can check us out at Stuff About Sports on Instagram and Facebook, and then hashtag Stuff About Sports anywhere you get your podcast. Good stuff again. Thank you, guys. Great job. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope that we can have – I know – You'll have us back on. I hope you'll want to come back and join us for another episode on JT and the Don in the future. And to our fans and listeners out there, thank you as always for listening to us. Remember to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and whatever platform you listen to all of your other favorite podcasts. And remember, if you like what we do, leave us a five-star review. And JT, if you don't like what we do, Leave us a five-star review. And remember to please follow us on social media, our handle at JT and the Don, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. So JT, great episode. Thanks to German Bert. JT, until the next episode, see ya.